0: No, that's fine. I'm out of breath anyway, so I had to run up the stairs. <laughs> I, <like that's> <laughs> I had to go up twelve stairs and back down again, so I'm all uh I'm all fatigued. Well, it is Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so we were all so this is this is just what happened. So the um uh the, the recap just and I haven't had my coffee yet either. What the hell is wrong with me? Why or not pour yourself a cup now? Why not have a cup of refreshing chemicals this instant? Uh so I, the recap was ending. I went to queue uh, up our beginning of show clip, and I realized that I'd encoded it at the wrong bitrate, so I had to run that just now. I had to run upstairs, open uh, my copy of Adobe Audition, open the file, re-encode it, save it, come back down here, I get it ready, and then we realized Sarah doesn't have our headphones.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, I dropped the ball on that one. That's okay. And do
0: you ever do this? Do you ever... Um, do some small piece of exercise and you're winded just a little bit like enough that you you kind of want to like uh, yawning is the is the wrong word but you sort of want to catch your breath and you can't quite do it you can't quite get yourself to uh you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. like you almost have like a little yawn that wants to come out but you can't quite make it work all right that's where i'm at right now i will now you're use...
1: willing to start riding your bike rick There are like four stairs i rode my bike this
0: morning damn you so i really need to start riding it uh you regularly. did? I did. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't see. I'm surprised no. I didn't wasn't made the object of fun by you when well, you came I, in. There. I,
1: it's been so long, I forgot what your bike is like. <laughs> <laughs> I was with Becca, the one in the hall. <laughs>
0: That's okay. Becca did the same thing, actually. Becca apparently because I deliberately parked it in the hallway this morning so that no one would be so right back on the bike. You know, I, just because every every wise ass wants to come up and they think they're the first person to make fun of you about it. So I parked it in the hallway and like stelt, like crept to the bathroom and changed, and slunk up to my office so no one would see me. And then um, I ran into Becca in the copy room this morning. She's like, wait a minute, is that your bike in the hallway? And I said, yes, yes it is. She goes, I forgot what it looked like. So, all right. Didn't help me th- going up the stairs this morning, though, did it? All right, are we ready? We're ready. All right, here's your uh, beginning of show clip for Monday. What you do
2: in Inatec. Is you take the specifications from the customers and you bring them down to the software engineers
0: yes y- yes uh, that's that's right well
2: then I
3: just have to ask why couldn't the customers just take them directly to the, to the software people huh?
2: well uh, I'll tell you why uh, because engineers are not good at dealing with customers uh, so you physically take the specs from
0: the customer Well, no, my my secretary does that, or the facts.
3: So then you must physically bring them to the software people? Well,
0: no. Yeah, I mean, sometimes. Uh, what, What would you say
2: you do here? Well, look, I already told you. I deal with the goddamn customers so the engineers don't have to. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. Can't you understand that? What the hell is wrong with you people?
0: choice well done all right the uh, yeah, the three choices uh, we have this morning were funny retro uh, and disturbing so there I'm glad we didn't start off with disturbing that would have just been the wrong foot on which to begin all right why uh, hello there it's uh, five minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 and this the month of March in the year of our Lord 2008 thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day we are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly really ostentatious studios of am 970. Dallas State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. All right, it is uh, Monday. And welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming along. It's 503 733 970, 503-733-2970. If you'd like to join us telephonically with whatever might be on your mind, 503-733-2970. Richie the Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane, or the uh, or, or whatever observations you might have that fall into the subatomic space between any two of those uh, criteria. 503 733 Nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. If you want to email, you can do that as well. It is uh, Rick at rickemerson.com, Rick at rickemerson.com, Sarah at nine seventy dot am. Tim at nine seventy am. Or Richie with a T at nine seventy. Uh, dot A M. Anyway, so uh, thank you for coming by and howdy and hello. It is uh, Monday. All right, here's what's coming up today. Uh, we have uh, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian who will be joining us today. Uh, snuff watch coming up today, and it's a snuff. It's one of those snuff that's interesting because uh, you've never heard of him, but you've. i never even heard of him, but you've heard his work. You know, you you shall know him uh, by his uh, by his trail of work. You know his products. So we got that coming up today. Uh, What else? Uh, Lisa Desjardins will join us uh, from Washington, D.C. as we head towards the big uh, Hillary Barack smackdown happening tomorrow. Uh, We've got Steve Kastenbaum, who is... I thought he was on a plane today. I guess not. He's in New York.
1: We're maybe talking to him at 50-50. Oh, we don't know. Yeah.
0: Well, here's the thing. Don't tell Steve this. Uh, But we have a listener, as we always do, who has stepped up and who's going to take him a big bottle of vodka, should he want it. So because you of when, know Steve got some mumbo. We just got to figure out where to have it taken. Uh, so uh, when Roop and Lisa were in Vegas, uh, I don't know a few months back, and Lowe stopped by and he dropped up. I think uh, I think it was Jim Beam for Roop and it was vodka for Lisa. And so if Steve is going to be in Columbus, Ohio, and the best thing is how I don't even think we volunteered. I think he actually flat out asked us because he said, "Oh uh, yeah, I know when uh, Jim and Lisa were in Vegas, you had somebody drop off with some alcohol. You know, I'm going to be in Columbus, Ohio." Ellipsis. Just sort of leaving it out there. So, But, but sure enough, uh, we had a, a listener named Melissa who's got uh, some family in Columbus, Ohio. And so if they have already picked up a bottle of vodka and they're going to go drop it off to uh, Steve Kastenbaum, we just need to figure out where he's going to be. And we always have to do this without trying to come off as vaguely creepy or stalkerish. So Hey, he asked for it. I'm just saying, no, no, it is true. Uh, but then, of course, it just sounds to the CNN brass like we're enabling alcoholism, <laughs> which we are. We just don't want to sound like we're doing that. Uh, Anyway, so we'll talk to Lisa Desjardins today. Steve Kastenbaum uh, will join us as well. Uh, Snuffwatch coming up. Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. Uh, We'll do a top five today. I I was talking to Sarah about this one before the program, and I was was unclear about whether to proceed with this. But I decided we're just going to plunge on ahead, and it'll either be good or not, and, you know, whatever. Uh, So today, for no readily apparent reason, uh, we will be counting down the top five pieces of poetry by Shel Silverstein. Uh, that's coming up later on there. The top five Shel Silverstein uh, poems. What else? Uh, other stuff. Looking around. Kath, oh, and I've got a whole uh, pile of stuff that accumulated here uh, over the weekend. Uh, we'll try to get to that uh, as well. Your phone calls and so forth and whatnot. Uh, we're joined today, as always, by...
4: I'm doing this backward. Tim Riley, who is working on the following stories for your edification. Hello. Hello. Hi. The Devils of the Earth Liberation Front, a domestic terrorist group, torches Street of Dreams outside of Seattle using explosive devices. Meanwhile, Portland's own homegrown radical hippie, Trey Arrow, is coming home to face charges of his own troublemaking. Oh, and I got this, uh, speaking of home ownership, I got this little letter from Aaron. A mere 48 hours... We got to enforce our mighty powers as Homeowner Association board members and had some hooligans VW Jetta towed from our parking spot. We have assigned parking per the rules of HOA bylaws. Good for you for knowing them. We are allowed to tow any vehicle that takes in assigned parking space. It felt great. Yes. I looked outside my massive sliding glass door. That leads to my spacious deck and saw the rogue vehicle. Punched a few digits, and within 30 minutes, my space was clear, and some ruffian has a $250 towing bill. It feel good,
0: Aaron. I gotcha uh, he Well, here's the thing: so Aaron and his wife, uh, the lovely Jen, they have uh, they are now the proud owners of a condominium. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, I haven't seen it yet. I think Lara saw it last night. I'm not sure she and Jen were doing some last night. Uh, so I know that they are now that they now own property. Uh, as is the American way, and so of course, not what's a- more
4: American <clears> than <throat> <been> going after <laughs> neighbors to irritate you, having <laughs> having
0: having something that displeases you towed away? Yes, yes. Quite probably scratched and damaged on the way to the impound lot. Well done, Aaron.
4: Good for you. Taken, I'm proud of
0: you. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Mm-hmm. All right. Feels so good. <laughs> One's home is thy castle. <laughs> Does that make the street the moat? Is that why the car got towed away?
4: Yes, yes, yes. I
0: love the idea, too, that Aaron hadn't even been in the house for two days. And he's, like, sitting at the top, like at the parapet with a pair of binoculars, just scanning, looking at all the little lines of demarcation in the parking lot. So he didn't
1: the even need lot. the spot at that point? No, he just...
0: no, he just wanted to have somebody towed away. Oh it's funny, I was just telling... <laughs> I was just telling Laura the story about you seeing some guy parking his boat on the street. I just... found another one this morning. <laughs> really? Yeah, there's more than one boat. He's sitting day. there just dunking a mug of tea while you're on the phone with the cops, having having his possessions removed physically. That's ah, wonderful. It's, good. it's going to be a good day. I can just, I can just sense
4: it. All right. Do you, and, and deep do... down, you want to do that someday. <laughs> but you're powerless to do so because you rent. You rent. <laughs> home.
0: I have no home. All right. But once you buy something... You know, it's true. I can't do anything. You know what? Here's the thing. I can't even get the cops to do anything about my car, which I own, which belongs to me. Mm-hmm. So, Jesus. All right. Good for him. <laughs> Did you see the 60 Minutes thing left Barack Obama? No. No. But, yeah, you don't have to because I have some sound from it. Uh, we'll make a little bit of a hick watch today. Steve Croft, who has kind of a weird, crinkly face. He kind of looks like... Um, who, is that, who is that guy that does the... Uh, he does the weird squiggly drawings. It's not squiggle vision, as such a, It's Plimpton, Bill Plimpton. Steve Steve Croft kind of looks like a Plimpton, uh, but he's sitting there talking to some idiot rednecks about Barack Obama. And uh, I won't I won't make a wait to hear the whole thing. I'll play it later on. Oh, we have uh, some other headlines. Really? Oh, I'm sorry. Go Oh, no. I forgot all about it. <laughs> Got lost in your own in your own freewheeling ex, 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 excursions into towing. A
4: Pascomat asked a friend to shoot him so he could skip work. The friend happily obliges. <laughs> Hillary claims she's just getting warmed up. Uh huh. Two hundred million watching Indiana Jones trailer online. Woo! Is that it? Yeah, that's it. All right.
0: Would you like to talk about punishing your neighbors in some other way now? No, you're done for now. Uh, yeah. Let me ask you this: uh, You have the right now. Who do you call if you see somebody preparing to paint their fence in a in a color that displeases you? The homeowners' association. Really? Is there like a main? Now, does somebody answer that, or is it like a like a, a, a an answering machine, a message?
4: It's faster if you email.
0: Really. You, just, you put it in all caps, ALERT, I see someone with a shade of puce. And immediately they get it over there with billy clubs and they, they break its bones.
4: And there's also an architectural committee, so you can re, you can report them twice. I'm such a juvenile, I don't have any of these things. Uh,
0: speaking of juveniles, let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, by, yeah, me. My, <laughs> companion in, oh, oh, oh. my companion in retarded adolescent, Sarah Dillon. Hello, hi, how are you?
5: How's your homeowner's association, like Sarah?
0: I'm just saying, you know that there's one grown-up in this room, and it's not you nor me. I know, You true. know. You know it's true.
1: People around me get more and more grown-up every single day, and I just feel like I'm being left behind. Like, my sister's doing, like, okay, so I'm going to admit to you something. I, do, I don't do my own taxes. My my dad still does my taxes. Okay. And so my sister's, she's like, I'm like, wait, and she's like, oh, I'm figuring out how to do my own taxes. I'm like, I'm 27. I need yeah. to like grow the hell up.
0: Oh, I know my, no, my, my, same in my family. My brother uh, James is the same way. I mean he's younger than I am, way more on the ball than I am. Does yeah. all his own crap, it handles makes you all
1: feel his. like yeah, I'm just like what am I doing with my life? Oh no, now? he
4: went to college, he has multiple degrees. You're he's coming in here to spend the day with us. Be... <laughs> That's what you're
0: doing with your life? Yay! He's becoming he's becoming a child psychologist, you know, married into a wealthy family. I'm sure like has his taxes done like 9 years in advance. Yes. Mm-hmm. No. No. The only I already got my refund back long time ago. <laughs> Any semblance of adulthood that I have, you know, you know what it is. I'm really in just the moon reflecting, uh, reflecting the sun that is my wife. So anything I do that makes me look grown up or responsible, it's really not even me. It's just something that Lara's done, and that I'm just sort of basking in the in the reflected radiance of her maturity. So, so Sarah and I, you we're in the same boat there. Okay. All right. How was your weekend? Satisfying? It interesting. Was, I had a really fun weekend. Well, we went to that thing yesterday.
1: went to that thing yesterday, and then I uh, went to a, a fun, uh, religious-themed like themed party on Saturday night. I know that sounds weird.
0: So this is what well, we should back up. So uh, let's just do this in reverse. Start,
1: okay, so I'll start with Friday. So Friday night I went to um, this art show, and it was Anthony Kiedis' father's art right, show, uh, right. Blackie Kiedis. Oh, that's
0: but that's the thing. Byron invited us to yeah. Byron back. Yeah.
1: yeah, it was super cool, and uh, Anthony Kiedis was there. And uh, my friend Kiki is, like, okay. totally...
0: Okay, how did Anthony Kiki just look in person?
1: He looked fantastic. I thought his face would be all pocky. No. No, he was, like, he was very handsome. Really? But he was a lot smaller than I thought he yeah, was. Yeah, and he's a small man. I've heard yeah. that
0: small, but sort of, but well-defined. I
1: would say he was, like, 5'5", five, 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 and he was there with his wife, and um, they had their baby there as
0: well. I heard that he's uh, more diminutive than one might expect, but toned.
1: No, he was he was perfect. He was toned, and he was really good-looking, and he had, like, he was wearing a nice outfit, and, like, the hair was really nice. Right, right. And um, yes, I did that on Friday night, that was really cool. And then Saturday night, yeah, I went to a um, a costume party.
0: And this is where you had to dress up as a religious figure of some kind? Yeah, some kind
1: of religious icon. So I dressed as uh, Jan Crouch what from is... the Trinity Broadcasting Network. Which is
0: fantastic. She's that one with the huge purple poodle thing that sits yeah, on her she's head. Yeah, she like,
1: the huge pink purple yeah. hair. And so I found this. Um, Badass. Yes, yeah, so I found this, uh, like, a Bible and a rosary and, like, this horrible, like, 80s power dress. And <laughs> a spray paint. And my, my friend Lisa, she's so skilled at doing hair. And she made my hair just all huge and pink and purple and stuff. And it was, it's still pink today. I so
0: Now then, let's fast forward to Sunday. So yesterday, uh, Lara and myself and you, we all met at the Jackpot Records in Hawthorne to see, is his name, Colin Malloy? Uh, yeah, Colin Malloy. From the, the who who is doing like a solo show. And uh, so uh, Isaac at Jackpot Records, a fine advertiser here. Isaac he, and Nate. He'd uh, graciously invite, yeah, and his brother Nate was there too, was great. And so he had graciously invited you, and then you invited uh, Lara and I along. And so... So we see you on the street on Sunday afternoon. And however weird that hair may have looked at a party on Saturday, it looked doubly so like at 2 p.m. on a Sunday. Because you're walking to the street and you kind of look all... And I don't know if you... Did you have makeup on? Like some sort of...
1: I didn't have any makeup on. I'm I'm really pale. Okay, I'm just,
0: I couldn't. This sounds horrible, but I couldn't tell what part of it was still a costume and one part uh-huh. of it was just like your natural whatever. But but your hair was still all weird and white and purple, and you looked kind of half crazy. Well, it and it was still
1: is. I haven't done pretty anything great. So. Yeah, I, no, I know. I looked I looked pasty and. I definitely don't think that I should stick with the pinkish formula. No, no,
0: it worked though. It worked for the thing.
1: Yeah, I'm really Yeah, it was a really fun week, and then like seeing Callum. Like, how hilarious was he? He
0: was great, and I have to say that. Uh, and this is and by the way, just and it, 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 people don't think this is like something that only we had the, the no, hookup on. This it was, to this was to open the to the public.
1: That's, I talked about it on Friday.
0: Yeah, it was. It was a thing the public was invited to. Uh, jackpot advertises on the show, and uh, so we were. They were kind of able to wedge us in and kind of kind of move us toward the front. But it was open to the public, and I wasn't like a big Decembers fan, but. I think I might kind of give them a second listen or at least that guy's solo album because he was really he, funny.
1: Oh, he was really funny. And his voice, just hearing that voice come out of that small person was it's just true. amazing. And when
0: you kind of strip everything away, it's not that I'm not in the bands, I am, but when you strip it all away to just one guy and an acoustic guitar on stage, you kind of see who has the goods and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen certain acts where you get them away from the band and they just suck. Uh, you know and it's not like everybody has to be able to like shred on the guitar but sometimes you just you realize that they really are being propped up by a bunch of other guys in the band who are like way more skilled than they are mm. but that guy was really good i was impressed so that uh, Smith smiths thing was genius He did this fantastic bit where he I played I could not stop laughing What is that song called the smith uh, song ask me ask me ask me that one but he did this great smiths thing where he demonstrated how you, it's possible to sing an entire smith song with one chord and actually at times during the song one note so Now, is Johnny Marr in the Decembers or is he in Modest Mouse? Isn't he the, in one of the... Port- Johnny
1: Marr, he was in the Smiths.
0: But isn't he playing second guitar with a Portland band now? I think with the a, Mod- now? Modest Mouse. I'm so pretty sure. I was trying to figure out last night if it was Decemberists or Modest Mouse that he was either a touring guitarist or second guitar with now. Because I know he lives here, but I think he's a second guitarist with some Portland band now. What a cool guy, Johnny Marr. is! I've got to tell you, I'm not even like the biggest Smiths fan, but Johnny Marr is a badass. Uh, was... Always has been, always will be. Mm-hmm. All right.
1: Uh, yeah, so it was a, yeah, it was a really cool weekend all around. I went to a barbecue yesterday afternoon. Had some sparks in the park. Of course, I had a, of course. I had a permit. Uh,
0: uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, I brought this for you. Uh, I now have a... Uh, I brought this guide for you, Sarah. Mark your calendar. Lactation management in the 21st century. Oh, boy. There's going to be an intensive six-day lactation course coming up this September featuring introduction to breastfeeding. Uh, Assessment of breastfeeding challenges. What challenges are there with breastfeeding? One takes out the boob, and then you sort of go.
1: I'm sure there are challenges. If
0: you'd like to improve your lactation skill. Or, Sarah, if you would like to become a lactation consultant, uh, I uh, I have this information out here for you. So
1: really great. uh, Put next to my my
4: tickets to Baby Fest from
0: last week. Baby Fest. Let's see. Just a couple other things that we're playing catch up uh, from the weekend. Um, Let's see. First and foremost, just a little bit of personal business here. I want to thank a guy named Spencer. So you remember that um, computer issue that I've had for like nine months where I put Windows XP into my machine and it just f me? Just complete, It wiped out my disc, my CD-ROM drive, it wiped out my DVD drive, my computer didn't even see them, they weren't even there. I mean, I've complained about this frequently, but less so because I was just sort of zen with it. Like, I just sort of resigned myself to the fact that Bill Gates had broken my home computer and it would never work again. And this is, of course, after I spent 75 minutes on the phone with Microsoft's own goddamn tech support uh, about two weeks ago, during which at one point they actually took remote control of my computer, and we're like moving the mouse around for me, and they themselves, micro, the people who made the freaking operating system, couldn't fix my computer. They could not put Jack together again, or whatever that, however that is, <laughs> that the king's, whatever that thing is, they couldn't do it. Uh, so I had just sort of washed my hands, and like, that's it, Microsoft can't fix my computer after almost 90 minutes on the phone that I will never get back. So I get this email from a listener, and it's a guy named Spencer, and he says, hey... Uh, I didn't want to, uh, I said, I didn't, I wussed out, didn't call the show, but I have a a solution for your computer. I think this will work. And it turns out he's some tech guy. He didn't say where, but he's obviously a guy who sort of knows tech. He emails me uh, this little two-step thing for fixing my computer. I email back a clarifying question, and he says, yeah, that's it. So the point is, after 75 minutes on the phone with Microsoft, them utterly and totally uh, just eating it and failing to fix my computer, this guy, Spencer, emails me some steps, literally within sixty seconds my computer was fixed wow less than one minute and he he hadn't seen my computer he would never looked at it he had never been in my home without seeing my computer simply based on my explanation of the problem the guy emailed me these steps and my computer was fixed in less than what what microsoft could not fix in seventy five goddamn minutes this guy fixed without even seeing my computer in sixty seconds wow and then he, and then how great is this? He says, um, he says, by the way, Rick, I am holding your newest listener. I am writing this from the hospital, holding my firstborn son, Mason. Mason is sorry to report that he'll likely miss Monday's show, as he's only a day old, but he certainly will be the best show ever, Spencer. <laughs> so, thank you, Spencer. Congratulations to you. So, how cool is that?
1: That's really great. That uh, is
0: cool. It is. And so, my computer is fixed. I, I almost want to send Microsoft some sort of really scathing, taunting email about how they couldn't fix it in 75 minutes. Some, there's some maybe guide. we should
1: send Spencer, like, a uh, congratulations on your baby gift. You know, David,
0: some, maybe he'd like a lactation guide. Spencer? <laughs> um, anyway, so there you go. So, that's fixed. Uh, let's see. What so, Saturday, uh, yet more proof that I... Even when it's like when I try to have a life, it just makes me feel like more of a loser. So, uh, my hot next-door neighbor, Megan, she was going to be moving away. It turns out she's not... she to, did move. She, turns she canceled at the last minute. She decided not to move, but it's like the party was still scheduled. So, uh, I wasn't... Re- I, you know, it's like I hadn't really thought about it. She sort of mentioned it, but i forgotten. So, she shows up on our front porch at 8 o'clock Saturday night and just... I answer the door, and it's Megan, and she says, So, just a reminder, I'm not moving anymore, but we're still having that party just because everything was booked. So, uh, that's tonight at 8 o'clock. And, of course, then you have to go. Like, once, like, she. You went to a party? Well, but, but how could I not? She came to my house, knocked on my door. Laura was there, so I couldn't pretend that it never happened. She came and she stood on my front porch and physically, like, personally invited us to the party. So, I had no choice, so I had to go. So, Laura and I went over, and. And it, it's more of that, like how everybody else is a grown up and I'm just a retard kind of a thing. Because, I mean, Megan, you know, Megan's, uh, I would say, younger than I am. She's a few years younger than I, just about your age. And I'm not saying that she looks irresponsible, but she certainly, you know, she kind of she works a lot in, in the rock music scene. She's very, you know, she's kind of out, you know, big fan of the nightlife and so forth. So it's not like she's just like some stay at home housefrau, you know? But we walk in, but Laura and I go over and keep in mind, we do, our houses are effectively the same blueprint. Well, you live in a duplex. If You shut your mouth about where I live. You you share a roof, right? We're more or less on the same blueprint. We walk into the front door uh, uh, of her house to go to the party, and it was like seeing some parallel universe version of what Laura and I's house would look like if we were grown up. It was like everything was perfect, color coordinated, you know, warm, subdued earth tones. Whereas like, I mean house I's houses are basically just like littered with craft macaroni boxes and like kiss posters everywhere, but you sort of you sort of walk into her place and I mean everything going down to her basement, her basement is immaculately uh, immaculately decorated, everything is flawless everything so it really is just just kind of went back home that night feeling ever worse about myself, so it was sort of a mixed weekend well, I'm
1: very proud of you for yeah and know, then I
0: bicycled out. today. And then I bicycled today. I also I didn't bi- even bicycle today. Here's the thing. I bicycled yesterday because I just... I tried to do it on Friday, but my bike had had that blown tire. So I get to t- you know fix the tire. Uh, and then yesterday I bicycled. And yesterday it was that thing where the pain catches you the second day. Last night I felt fine. I got on my bike this morning uh, to come to work after not having bicycled for like six months. Having bicycled for about 90 minutes yesterday. And then I got on the bike today and really... I felt like I had been paddled into a fraternity. I mean, really, it was, it, it was like you someone go, had you go
1: bike branded
0: my ass. Just, you know, just around, like, to work. And then I sort of did a big swing through downtown and then back home. Awesome. So I biked for, I don't know, over an hour yesterday. Uh, and, again, I didn't feel the pain last night. I felt the pain when I got on the bike this morning. Every bump every like notch in the road every time I bicycle over a leaf it really was like someone was hitting my buttocks with a Louisville slugger it was like the least pleasant thing on earth so
1: well I am very proud of you Rick this is the first day in how many days
0: like months I mean I'm not I'm not even gonna lie it's really been months
1: so in any event
0: so there we're gonna get
1: that fat percentage down
0: here's to you fat person so uh, (laughs) all right. so coming up later on we have Lisa Desjardins Steve Kastenbaum top five Shell Silverstein poems of all time And I got this moronic thing from 60 Minutes last night uh, where they're talking to these idiots about Barack Obama. I guess we are not having Steve today. Correction. So we'll do Lisa and then the CNN thing. Let us now take a break. We'll be back after this with Lisa Desjardins. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Stay there. Back after this. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's, uh, 503
4: And, of course, I had to do that thing of,
0: of just digging out all of my bicycle crap because I had part of it out for Friday. But, you know, because it was going to be kind of chilly this morning, so I'm having you to find You had my it already my... for
1: the, the tire, right?
0: Yeah, well, I had, I had a lot of it ready, uh... It, it, but I had then packed it away, and I wanted to change. Like, on Friday, I had pulled out my bike jacket and my whatever. But I didn't want to wear the rain jacket today, but I, was, so I, I wanted to wear, like, a sweater, and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so I had to, you know, I had reassembled all that uh, all that stuff today. That and then you forget, A, like, you always overestimate, or I always overestimate how much I can get done in any period of time. So it's, I'm looking at the clock this morning. It's like 8:15, 8 8:20, 8 and of course I'm thinking, no, 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 it'll be, it'll be fine. So I get on the bike and I get here, and then of course once you walk into the building, you, you sort of catch sight of yourself in a mirror and you realize how hideous you look oh. having gotten off the bike. Yeah. And so then I feel compelled to go into the bathroom and I'm sitting in there like the Clairol woman for 45 minutes in front of the mirror, or whatever, trying to make myself look like I didn't just sweat my. And and here's the here's the the, the really great thing, is that. Today, I forgot to put on antiperspirant before I leave the house, right, so that I get here, and I'm all just gross, and I'm in the, like, the, that whatever, the cool-down period where I'm sweating, so I have to, I have to use that ghetto, that ghetto antiperspirant I bought at the plaid pantry for, like, $9, where it's, like, a, it's like an inch high. Uh-huh. It's, like, the tiny little novelty travel antiperspirant, so I smell like a big, I smell like a lilac today. Just all kinds of... Really been, all
1: classic, it's
0: really it's really been quite a morning. <laughs> uh I had something else to say. I can't remember what the hell it was. It seems like there was something really important that I left out. Oh oh, you know what it is? It's not really important. It's uh it's just this observation that I'm plunging headlong into Dexter season two. <gasps> uh,
1: yes, oh yeah, a listener wrote me and offered to uh, let me borrow season two which I'm totally going to take yeah, up on
0: it legally I'm sure yes um it's i have to tell you it's pretty great not to be that guy cuz you finished season 1 yes how great is the ending we won't give anything away cuz i know it's airing I on cbs i
1: loved the ending how
0: great was that final scene at the end of season it 1 was because
1: it's all everyone's it's totally messed up Yeah. You know it's like, very surreal well, yeah, and everything because you can just see both of their lives are t- lives are totally effed, yeah. and you can just see it, yeah. and like and that, it was hilarious. I laughed.
0: I have to, I have to tell you, I just uh, see. I was gonna say something, but it's gonna make me sound like a bad person. No.
1: What that you sympathize with a serial killer? Uh,
0: no, no, that's not what I was gonna say, Sarah. No, I can't say it's gonna make me sound creepy.
1: You can't say... Okay, you've got to say it.
0: <laughs> I'm just going to say... I'm just going to say the more effed up that sister gets, the hotter she is. Really? You know what I mean?
1: I, like, I really can't even imagine how, like, what direction her life is going to take I, after that. I have that to that tell you. Part.
0: Yeah, like, like... <laughs> like, just,
1: there seems like there is no bouncing back from that. No.
0: Just, that, like, the more traumatized she becomes, really, the sexier she plays it. I think they do that deliberately because the... I won't give anything away, but the second season has a lot of... I
1: know, that poor girl.
0: It has a lot... Let's say this. The second season has a lot of her, uh acting out let's put it that way oh. and so they're doing this really creepy thing where it's like it, where it really is like the more after life becomes uh it's sort of like the slutty the sluttier <laughs> here she here becomes she gets... and so and i'm sitting on the couch and watching it
1: they're dating in real life too. totally
0: and it's what
1: they're dating in real life michael
0: c hall and the the sister uh-huh. oh that's completely messed up <laughs> that is so messed up that's like arrested development messed up yeah hold on i gotta process that for just a second
1: <laughs> yep
0: all right that's just so sexy and wrong all right Let's now welcome to the ring a woman made supremely uncomfortable by this whole conversation, Lisa Patricia Desjardins. Hello there.
6: Oh, I love me some Dexter. I've been, I've been, uh, I'm I'm glad, I'm glad you guys are in. I'm glad we can, I'm glad we can get this out. So we're, uh, we're getting at the speed, yeah. I'm totally creeped out. I had not heard about the (laughs) brothers. That's so creepy. (laughs) That really disturbs me. And that's, and also because they're, they're both sort of, Have this, um, like, he can be, like, a little femme, and she can be a little... She's a
0: little butch. Well, that was my thing, is I had made the observation to Sarah. We were talking about this yesterday, because I am now uh, about four episodes into season two. Sarah has just wrapped up season one, and then, of course, it's all airing on CBS as well. But I had made the observation that it was sort of interesting that uh, Michael C. Hall had chosen, in my opinion to almost kind of play Dexter as a gay man. Um,
6: it does feel that way, kind of.
0: And then, of course, uh, he played uh, David, who was the gay brother on Six Feet Under. And so I thought, well, and, and so then I started thinking, well, how much of this is the actor's interpretation? How much of it is maybe, and I don't know anything about Michael C. Hall's personal life, and, you know, whatever. Uh, it, but you're right that he does play him as slightly effeminate. And then the sister is sometimes more butch than others but I mean it's always sort of there so the idea that they're dating in real life is just so like warped and hot and just strange on so many levels (laughs) Jesus I gotta go home you know I gotta go sit in a small room and think about that for a while but to even figure out how I feel about it Ugh. all right um wow okay and we're done um anywho how was your weekend how are you
6: oh weekend was great lovely lovely Saturday and then lots of chores and Yard work and taxes yesterday. Now
0: I'm surprised you're not on a plane right now.
6: Oh, uh, oh, I'm trying to be so good. I'm oh to wait. To
0: be... Oh, I'm sorry. So what? What has something happened?
6: No, it's just you know. Well, there's two things. You know, our boss actually had planned months ago to come to Washington this week to give us our annual reviews.
0: Well, those are and always of, fun.
6: Of course, right. And this was way before anyone thought the Texas primary or the Ohio primary would you know oh decide the Democratic race. Sure. And uh, you know, about three weeks ago, I emailed him and said, "Hey, I think we need to move this meeting." And he said, "Oh no, I'm just—I'll just, just send—I'll send other people out to the primaries, which is good. He's—he's he's spreading the wealth. It's—it's it's a great assignment, but it is—it's rough. I—I'm. I'm, I'm having a hard time being being nice about it.
0: Well, I'm sorry to be pouring what? lemon juice in the, in the cut. Then I just sort of I I guess I just assumed that yeah. you were going to be hightailing it to an airport later on today. Well, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry to sorry to have brought up such a sore subject. The cool
6: thing is, he's Steve, out there in Ohio, which is awesome, and that's going to be and he's actually it's going to be a mess. They're going to have a giant ice storm there tonight, so he's got a great couple of stories going on. Amanda's in Texas, uh, so it's it's you know two two people that I love get to do it, but. uh I still want to do it more.
0: That is, I was just going to say, but that is that is cold comfort, as they say. Well,
6: cold. I'm trying to be really nice. I'm trying not to uh, constantly send Amanda Moyer emails like, hey, did you know this? <laughs> hey, did you call this guy? Did you read this story?
0: Emails pointing out the thousands of ways in which you would be doing a better it's job.
6: terrible. Yes, it's terrible.
0: oh no, it's, it's terrible. fine. No, no, trust me. I've, uh, I've. I've had I've had those moments my own self. Oh. Uh, believe you me, so
6: winning the fight. But uh, <sighs> this conversation makes me think I'm not winning as much as I thought I was.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm glad I could help. <laughs>
6: <laughs> I'm glad
0: I could be a pick me up for you today. <laughs> um, hey, just I have a, I have a question about something because I I I as I told you I have sort of a low grade fascination with with uh, with Russian with Russian culture and so oh, forth. Yeah, but I rah. I I don't know to what extent any of these things are real. Uh, stories in the sense that we're getting the whole scoop because it says, um this is uh, Dmitry, uh, it is uh Medvedev, is that how you pronounce it?
6: Medvedev. Medvedev. On the second syllable, yes. And it says it here? Hair. It means like the big bear.
0: It says quote, held an insurmountable lead in Russia's presidential election with nearly all the vote counted. The TASS news agency reported Monday. Yes. And so, at this point in 2008, I never know how accurate or truthful or, or upfront any of this news from Russia is. Right. <laughs> It's sort of like, you know, when Fidel Castro was reelected with 98.999% of the vote in a glorious victory for the people.
6: (laughs) Right. Well, the Russians are so much smarter that, you know, Saddam Hussein had that same. I think Saddam Hussein actually was reporting a 100%. You know, voting, you know, that 100 percent of the people voted for him. But the Russians are smart. They know that no one buys that. Once you're above 90 percent, no one ever believes it. Uh, So actually, this is the the government's reporting. The Central Election Commission in Russia has reported that Medvedev has 70 percent of the vote. Now, the other thing, though, I have to say is, although everyone questions this vote and everyone knows that uh, Putin basically uh, has started having children and 12-year-olds go to Putin camp in the summer, uh, that I think that Putin is legit, is legitimately very popular, and so is Medvedev. And I think that, uh, let's say, if there were no fixing involved, nobody snuck a few ballots in, a few ballots out. He he still would win very easily, and th- this could actually be an accurate number because of the way Putin has run things and and the way that he dominates politics in that country.
0: So uh, right now, so how much of of it, to whatever extent you know this, mm. uh, how uh, on the level generally speaking uh, is the Russian government? Because we had some there was some story we had the other day about how, and I didn't really realize the extent to which the oil industry in that country dictated a lot of things. And, you know, and you sort of, I guess, assume just because maybe this is, but maybe this is just, grew up in the 80s, Cold War brainwashing, that that it's just, that there's such systemic uh, corruption there, not only with the political system, but also with with the mob. And so, I mean, to what extent is that still true?
6: This is out of my area of expertise. I know that there, it seems that in the past five years, um, Putin has completely consolidated power, not just in government, but through the mafia, that he's really... He's cleaned up the mafia to a large extent, but in a way, he's really just put his own people in power in government. Uh, I'm not saying that he's put the mafia in power, but that he's he, the mafia had power, and I think Putin has taken it.
5: It's, it's, I, I
6: think he's. But but you, know, you could also say he has, and this is how Russians would look at it: is they would say he has actually done an effective job of um, the rule of law, that he has actually used the law. Uh, to try and, you know, muscle out the mafia. Now, the mafia still exists in many parts of Russia, of course, but, but Putin really is the main power, it's, and he's been able to do that. Sorry.
0: It's funny how uh, this week my wife and I were watching this, just the worst television show. Uh, one of those shows that we, we we put on our TiVo because we thought it was going to be good. It was sort of a uh, like a bell curve, where at the beginning we thought it was going to be good. Then we started watching the program, and we realized it was terrible and then that became its own source of fascination so we just continued to watch it because it was so unbelievably bad and it was this thing on the travel channel called the Las Vegas fact and it was sort of you know the, the things that the average idiot wonders about Las Vegas and so and, and they were just, it was, it was just unbelievably badly done and but one of the questions was there's something about the mob and they had um they had the guy who was the mayor of Las Vegas or something at like this and then they had the Governor of Nevada both coming and saying, "There is no mafia in Nevada, there is no mob in Las Vegas. They have been run out of town they no longer have control and it, my wife and I were sort of talking about that, and I just sort of always operate under the assumption that things like that are lies that there's just that that they really are uh, they're like silverfish in the cracks of a basement house. You know what I mean there's just no way you can get rid of it so anyway. <laughs> Wait,
6: they certainly still exist, but I think really they they exist m- much more on the periphery now. You know, when I lived in Russia, the mafia ran Russia. You know, Boris Yeltsin, Boris Yeltsin was uh, you know doing what he was doing, but the mafia was really running the country in, in many ways. And But now that's changed, and this new president, Medvedev, actually, and this comes from his strong ties with Putin that go back to St. Petersburg, but Medvedev used to be the head of Gazprom, you know, the m- m- huge oil conglomerate there, uh, the kind of state oil company. Uh, that that really has been incredibly successful in the last four years in just bringing money out of Europe, selling them oil and gas, and bringing the money into Russia. Russia's economy is – people kind of haven't been paying attention, but Russia's economy is doing very well. That doesn't mean that all Russians are doing well. Many of them are doing certainly better than they were under Boris Yeltsin, and that's why they love Vladimir Putin. He's that strong leader that they that they love. And, and I think that these numbers are 70 percent for his successor – I think it may be. It's close to a fair mark of of how popular they are.
0: Is uh, Is it time for them to become our sworn enemy once again?
6: I think they're trying. I think they would like to, and I think I think that I'm sure they love the fact that Hillary Clinton couldn't pronounce his name. (laughs) I I think they are more than happy to fly, uh, you know, play, you know, to go up against the sort of, uh, you know, young and so so cute little country America. (laughs) You don't know our names. Well, that's just fine. Fantastic. I'm sure they love that.
0: Uh, All right. Well, not to dwell on the unpleasantness, but uh, did you see that uh, the 60 Minutes uh, thing last night in Obama?
6: No, you know what, I did not, and that's that's, what, that's on my list of things to do when I go home. We had, uh, you don't need to know this, but our next-door neighbor broke up with her boyfriend, so she came over for dinner right when that was on, so I didn't get to see it.
0: So that's like with one half of your brain, you're trying to console, with the other half of your brain, you're going, leave, I need to watch Steve Croft.
6: It was, and it, it was fascinating, though, because uh, she actually, her, her ex-boyfriend, uh, she's in her 50s, and, and her ex-boyfriend, uh, she, she was laying it out there. She was ready to divulge, and and we had long suspected that this guy was a spy. She was giving us his former aliases, like she was just, you know, dragging him out and putting out everything about this guy. Wait, we what? Were... Wait, what? Yeah.
0: I don't know. Wait, is your next door neighbor Valerie Valerie Plame? I yes, don't understand. No,
6: really. no, she's not. But her, but her, she was saying that her ex boyfriend. Had some sort of spying wow. role, which we had kind of suspected. But well, he's really a spy.
0: I'll, I'll take women not to wrong for That's a thousand. Just,
6: we were amazed. She just said it straightforward to us, knowing that I work for CNN, and it was just sort of Jesus. like, uh, okay, okay, go, go, all right, great.
1: My brain just doesn't
7: even process. I was
0: just going to say, you live in a different world than we do, <laughs> really.
6: fast. <laughs> um, I mean, she she was breaking it down. You know, breaking down. Not getting into uh, specific people who may have been shot by him, but uh, <laughs> getting pretty close.
5: Damn.
6: Getting pretty close. It was really, I, I almost sort of wanted to stop her and say, I just, because now I, you're getting close to the point where now I actually have to research this and do a book.
0: I was just going to say, make a note of this, and that really, at the very least, does need to be sent to Jerry Bruckheimer or somebody. That uh, that absolutely right, must. Right.
6: But And then you always have the thing of, well, maybe that's just what this guy told her. Like, is it, does it really make sense that if, if this was true, he would have told her this, but... You, you know, so who knows?
0: Men are kind of dumb, though, Lisa. Let's just, <laughs> just call it what it is. So, wow. I well, mean, okay. That, you know,
6: but, but, So tell me, with Obama, this is uh, great. You can actually brief me on that. I was I, I
0: was going to say that I, that is more compelling than sixty minutes, though. I <laughs> really, I was thinking, oh, come on, he thinks some sob story, some breakup. Uh, but really, if she's divulging the fact that she was dating a spy who may or may not have disappeared, some people. Um, well, the, the, the thing about they were talking about um, Obama and sort of the. The, the the sort of um the many-headed hydra that is the sort of anti-Obama campaign and it is interesting that um that with there, there's a thing in the computer world where they talk about you know, decentralized file sharing or distributed file sharing, which means that there is, uh, like with a lot of online music and movie piracy now, there is no one site that you can sue or take down. There is no one web page mm. that the MPAA can, can take down, uh, you know, it, it, because it's distributed to millions of computers all over the world, and there is no way to turn off some of these file sharing systems, which makes them sort of impregnable. And they were talking about the sort of uh, the under under the radar anti obama campaigns and It really is a lot like that, where it's it's just a lot of whispers from various factions and various corners. And you and I have talked about things like the chain emails that go around that say that he was educated in Madrasa. Mm -hmm. And so they were kind of talking a little bit about that and how no one, no one organization, no one person will come out and make direct allegations against him. It's just a lot of winks and nods and sort of... Somebody whispering something else to somebody at the water cooler, and they and they sort of eventually take on sort of a systemic life of their own.
6: And uh, it feels like that. And, and I think it, it's strange timing right now. I mean, he really. This is almost. I, I feel like there are more negative stories about him right now than there have been during the entire campaign. And, and this, is, this moment, he's just about to potentially grab. The race. And
0: it is fascinating. It's sort of a race for that guy, don't you think? It, it's sort of like he's got to, he's just got to make it to the finish line mm-hmm. before any of these stories, which right. are you know almost universally without credence.
6: Even Saturday Night Live. I mean, that, I almost think that the Saturday Night Live skits could be among the most damaging things that he's had to face.
0: Now, this is where my pop culture uh, knowledge is lacking because I got to tell you straight up, I haven't watched SNL in like. A decade.
6: Oh wow, well, we're okay, then this is good. We're a good tag team on this.
0: So what is it so what are the SNL sketches and then I'll tell you, I'll play you a little bit of audio from sixty minutes.
6: Okay, perfect. They they've had two this week and the week before and both essentially uh, making fun of the of the of we've talked about this before, of this sort of media falling in love with right. Barack Obama. And the first one I think, was pretty hilarious, you know, pretty okay you know oh, can we get you a pillow? Barack and you know just hammering Hillary with very tough questions and it it was pretty funny but you know I think they did the same it was the same gimmick this weekend as well essentially and kind of they almost made Barack Obama seem even uh less intelligent a little bit more dumb a little bit kind of I'm just going to say what I can and be done very quickly right and and I think that and it was still, it was still really funny but two weeks in a row and then Hillary Clinton actually herself came on this week Uh, in what they called an editorial response to their debate sketch. And it was also really good. And and I think it's all legitimate. It's all funny. But it just seemed like the same gimmick two weeks in a row. And they have every right to do it. But I I do think that that kind of sticks in people's minds who watch that. And it's young people. It's independents. It's people who don't like government that are going for Barack Obama, people who would watch Saturday Night Live. So I think this idea that, oh, yeah, maybe he... Maybe he's not all we thought, and maybe he, maybe, maybe Hillary Clinton is really this super smart. And in the Saturday Night Live sketch, you know, she because she says, "Yes, I, I am, I am so annoying and shrill uh, that that uh, people will actually just give me what I want rather than have to deal with me."
0: <laughs> the thing, which is
6: great, but I, I think it could have an effect.
0: The thing me. about Obama is he, his campaign, I think, maybe less so. Uh, once he gets into you know you know up against McCain and hits her the general election, but I think his McCa- his his campaign really runs the risk of just becoming a little too precious for its own good, uh, where it does become just one big pink fuzzy sweater.
6: Uh, you know it's so interesting that image is just so strong with him because he 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 still has he's been going on the attack this week against her and even you know I think he could come out with the most negative. Ad ever, and I think it still wouldn't still wouldn't stick in people's minds that he was doing that because that image of him as this uniter, as as you know, this sort of uplifting spirit is is just so deep in people's minds that no matter what substance he comes out with, no matter how harshly he goes on the attack, I I think he he can't even change that at this point. It
0: really is interesting to think about some of these, and then I'll play this audio from last night. It, It is interesting to think about these sort of low grade under the radar viral sort of whisper campaigns against him and to wonder wh- fr- from where it is that the, they you know where from whence do they derive because I, I, it seems like anybody who was a very staunch conservative anybody who was a the, the hardcore Republican at this point wants Hillary as the nominee and so you do and no one really comes forward and is no one is willing to step into the spotlight and really be actively anti-Obama at this point so you know, these things are coming from somewhere. They right, for her. Right. That's, yeah. that's true. They are created in a vacuum. So th- that is sort of an interesting, just the etymology of these things, you know, where they're coming right. from. So this is, I really only pulled this because of two things. One, uh, uh, just the, the idiocy of these rednecks that Steve Croft is talking to. And then Barack has sort of a good, you know, uh, a good response to it himself. And I don't know if you're a future Rama fan, but really... There are moments here where Barack Obama is like the hypnotoad, you know, where he speaks and you just he speaks and you just sort of go, yes, Barack Obama. I will just I, I hear and I obey. He does have just this unbelievable magnetism. And I actually at one point while while watching this clip this morning of him on 60 Minutes. It was him talking to Steve Croft, responding to these attacks. And at one point, I actually had to minimize the window to the bottom of the screen because I wanted to be able to hear it and judge what he was saying by the words. And I found that when I looked at the screen, I was just sort of, a, you know, I just sort of fell into the the spell of his visage. So, all right. So, assuming you can hear this soundbite,
6: okay, right, done.
0: Uh, yes. Well, I'll play a little bit. Can you? Senator Obama has enough. Up- are you able to hear that? Yep. All right. So here we go. So this is Steve Croft talking to. Uh, I didn't catch her name. It's uh, some group of uh, some group of pinheads. Senator Obama has another problem. A malicious campaign against him that surfaced in a number of our interviews. Who are you going to vote for?
3: I'm, I'm leaning towards Obama. There's a couple of issues with him I'm not too clear on. Which issues? Well, I'm hearing he doesn't even know the national anthem. He wouldn't use the Holy Bible. Uh, he's got his own beliefs. The... With the Muslim beliefs and a (laughs) couple issues that bothers me at heart.
0: What not? Uh, You know, that's not true.
3: No. Uh, I'm just, this is what i have
0: been told. One of the things that we found in southern Ohio, not widespread, but something that popped up on our radar screen all the time, people talking about it, this idea that you're a Muslim.
8: Right. Did you correct them, Steve? I did correct. There you go. Um, Where's it coming from? You know, this has been a systematic email smear campaign that's been going on since actually very early in this campaign. Clearly, it's a deliberate effort uh, by some group or somebody uh, to generate this rumor. I have never been a Muslim. I'm not a Muslim. These emails are obviously not just offensive to me, uh, somebody who's a devout Christian who's been going to the same church for the last 20 years, uh, but it's also offensive
0: to Muslims. Because... So anyway, so there you go. So
6: By the way, I've been to church. Can I quote you some Bible verses right now?
0: <laughs> totally. See, he's so great that he, yeah. he laid right in the middle of a condemnation of the, of, of the smear campaign and a supporting, you know, where he comes out and supports Muslims, but he lays the Christian thing right there in the middle. Right. I mean, he really is very, very good at that. That's so. right. he
6: really, is. You know, I'll have to say, on this issue, because we've talked about this a few times before, but honestly, I think I have consistently most heard these types of, um, I guess, allegations or this sort of, you know, smear campaign, as he likes to call it, on in conservative places and on conservative radio. You know, and I'm not, and and it makes me think that, and that's where I hear, that's where your callers call in and say, "Hey, how about this?" You know, and in fact, I was on one of those radio shows, and the host really didn't correct the person and really said, "Well, that's true, and it's not true." And I and I stood there and I was just about to say, "Well, actually, it's not true," <laughs> and and the host went right to break right then of and didn't come back to it. So I I think that it is more likely in the conservative Republican world that this that this is circulating, and that this. Emanated from than, than from like say the Hillary Clinton camp. Ugh. So I'm sure, but they're they're happy to go with it. Like if they can they can add a couple of logs to whatever fire, you know, for their opponent, they 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 probably will. Oh, it's
0: funny, yeah, and it's interesting that Hillary Clinton really doesn't doesn't go out of her way to correct any of that. So, all yeah. right.
6: Yeah. Sort of in the past, she has actually said, you know, that this that's not appropriate and the, the thing know, I know that you know exactly. That he's I, an American, he's a patriot, great great leader. Da, 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 da.
0: The thing I saw Hillary Clinton. Second, I don't we have to go here, but where Hillary said, um, somebody Steve Croft asked her about it, and she said she's always very careful to tag it with this. She goes, well, no, I mean he's not a Muslim. As far as I know, which is which is great. I start like three different times put it that way, which is fantastic. Uh, all right, uh, are you on? Pardon me, tomorrow.
6: Yeah, well, I'm mean, here. We've got uh, we've got annual reviews. Oh,
0: that's right, you've got the annual review. But I'll
6: make I'll make sure that that doesn't happen during um, our allotted time. During
0: our special time. Let me ask you this: on a scale of one to ten, how awkward and cringe-inducing are the annual reviews? Oh,
6: they're terrible. They're terrible. All right. I hate them, but and I even really like my boss a lot, and they're still awful.
0: All right. Well, uh, we'll uh, we'll send positive thoughts your okay, way. Okay, please do. All right. Enjoy your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Lisa. Okay, great. All right. There you go. There's Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic.
1: Poor what girl. You it. can tell she's so bummed.
0: Uh, I know. I can't believe that. I and I. That's, and, no. that, and I didn't mean to make it all awkward, but I asked. I just sort of assumed that they would be sending her to Texas. So yep. I mean, whatever. All right. Um, that is so weird, though. That what's his name? Michael C. Hall is dating that girl <laughs> that plays his sister.
1: Oh, I need to find a picture. I just of can't even day.
0: get my head around that. Anyway. Yeah, so that so she so they're just uh, she's just like increasingly unstable and warped like with every every preceding episode or whatever you call it every 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 episode that happens on that in season 2 she's just like more and more unstable but then they play her well, as I mean, like I more and more I sexual I can't see
1: her mentally I just can't see you get over process? that yeah. yeah I mean I, I just can't see you getting over that yeah I mean
0: Eesh. we got to be careful so we don't give it away for yeah. people that ever watched but really honestly a whole lot of warped
1: yeah that's really it, it really took it to a whole other level right. and like his past why he is the way he is how
0: i told you i warned you i said <laughs> that's like the most effed up thing you've ever seen and you know what Un- unbelievably they show you more of that in season two really they show you a different angle and i mean physically literally just a different angle in the room uh where it's uh him and the and the other guy but in in it, that scene and you're just kind of going the room or were, in the, or
1: were they in the it was in that the, in the, thing. the thing okay yeah that's what I was the thing, his...
0: the waterproof thing, out of which nothing drains. Oh. So it just sits there.
4: Yeah. Hi, Tim, do you have news for us? I want to
0: hear that Barack Obama thing. Oh, man, how dumb is that guy? How unbelievable! <laughs> I've got
4: to go talk to my woman about having me
0: some more babies.
4: <laughs>
0: Excellent. More of that insightful news acumen just around the corner, ladies and gentlemen. We're back here just a few with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Later on, Peter Carlin uh, and the top five Shell Silverstein poems of all time. Say, It's the Rick Emerson radio program.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're a pistol today, Tim
0: Riley. <laughs> That really is an uncannily accurate description of that guy's life,
4: too. <laughs> well, I was sitting here quietly till all these topics have brought up. We were just,
0: I'll just say it, during
4: the break, floating over all the wonderful people that we've worked with.
0: This, we this were,
1: is why our jobs are different, because I don't think other people can come the as fast as we do.
0: Probably don't. not. During the break, because of the Dexter conversation. Um, and I know that we're sort of late to the party on Dexter in some ways, but we're ahead of the curve in others, because it's just now airing on CBS. Uh, and Sarah and I have both finished season one, so. But we were ruminating on the top five people we've worked with who would be great serial killers, or who would, who would. would uh, let's put it this way. Who, so, who we could. But we would not be surprised by if it if we discovered that they in fact had bodies in a crawl space. And we came up with four, like right away, four who we will not name on the air. And everyone was in, gr- in agreement yes. over that.
1: Totally and we exactly. <laughs> Somebody
0: would throw out a name we'd go, yeah, completely. Absolutely. No. <laughs> no question in my mind.
1: There were no questions.
0: <laughs> and there's one of the people we mentioned, and a, we will not identify any of these people in any way. But we were listing our former co workers, uh, who might likely be serial killers. Uh, you know, where you could just sort of see it. And the one the the first person I mentioned just I can just see washing the knife in the basement sink with a big like
1: Oh me too.
0: Whistling a happy tune,
1: and then like goes and puts on like a nice pressed shirt and goes out on the (laughs) town. Hi, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Uh.
0: But then does something really nice afterward. Like after cutting at the body, like gets a kitten out of a tree and like hands it to a small girl.
1: And you see him in the foreground playing with the kitten with, like, the body parts behind him. We just stop watching that show.
4: Dexter is really warping. It really is. Why not make a list at your
0: place at work today? I would encourage Gather
4: folks into the break room. Seriously.
0: And make a list and post it. That tar- <laughs> and put it on the mimeograph and hand it out in meetings. Really, I'm encouraging everybody in the audience to do just that, actually. Get your coworkers and come up with a list of worker you know, people you work with who might likely be serial killers. I'm encouraging you to do that now. Why should we be the only ones to have this fun? Uh, post it right there next to like the minimum wage thing and the what to do with the uh, you know like w- what to do with someone at work has hepatitis. All this right. month's birthdays. This, this month's serial killer is. This month's likely serial killer is. <laughs> Name little, it an accountant. Have a
4: little profile. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what we be serving cupcakes in his honor. <laughs> <laughs>
0: at the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM
8: 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley.
4: Well, uh, he's back. A Portland original Trey Arrow... Uh. Right now, as we speak, his supporters are holding a rally. Who are his supporters? Never mind, never Th- mind. That woman who em- emptier- empties the bucket of his waist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's, from <laughs> it's a broken bucket? down van that's a fire trap full of <laughs> newspapers and <laughs> garbage.
0: I really like uh, women who will dump out my you legal know, it's, matter.
4: It's hard to believe it was eight years ago eight that he was perched perch on that bridge downtown. <laughs> pooping in a box. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was lowered down in a bucket. And, and the woman smiling took care of the whole thing over and Jesus. over again. Uh, yeah, it was 2000 when he camped out on the U.S. Forest Service building 30 feet above the ground downtown. I hate that guy. Everybody does. Well, he's in uh, serious trouble. He returned to U.S. District Court in uh, Portland, and at 1.30, he will see the judge. This after being extradited from Canadian jail, he failed in his attempt to seek asylum in that country. Is this because they suspected him of setting fire to all the yes. SUVs? Firebombing and logging of cement trucks oh, in man. 2001. And... Uh, yeah, that was Ross Island uh, Gravel. You, you don't mess with... The, that's Mr. Pamplin's outfit. You don't mess with people like got, that. That guy's got pockets.
0: You don't want he'll, he'll have you taken care of, friend. Hey, Seriously, if, they, if he's found guilty, I hope they sentence him to just a savage beating.
4: And to be dealing with people who deal in cement. Oh, yes. that's that's the other great thing.
0: He should have to go work at some godless, soulless, uh, giant corporation. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. He should have to go work at some place uh, that those WTO idiots were, uh, were boycotting. He should have to work at a Starbucks. That's a great idea. Best idea ever. Trey Trey Arrow should have to work at a McDonald's on Monday, Starbucks on Tuesday, Microsoft on Wednesday, eh, Walmart on Thursday. I think I've topped out with Walmart. And then he should have to, like, intern at, like, the Defense Department on Fridays. That's it, Trey Arrow. All right. So screw that guy. Seriously.
4: Uh, Speaking of courthouses, uh, Lynn County. Courthouse in downtown Albany has been close due to, to an anthrax threat. Where would they find that? Lincoln? Did they
0: ever catch the anthrax guy? No. That was all made up anyway, probably. I I don't think so. Didn't they have that woman who lost a finger? Oh, yeah. yeah. She was on the front of that woman who worked at the Inquirer. No, 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 no. She worked at the New York Post, maybe. Yeah. I'm getting it confused now. But I remember at one point, uh, the Inquirer, which comes out of that same uh, building. Didn't the Inquirer get anthrax in the mail? Weren't they one of the, 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 the new people? Yeah, of the Florida thing. building. Yeah, because that's where all those uh, tabloids are based. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Inquirer had they, they put a huge thing on the top of the Enquirer for a few weeks. It said like not printed in Florida because there was all of this uh, scare. How weird that a guy can just mail anthrax around and then nothing. And then you know, here's the thing. Here's why I'm irritated at the anthrax, anthrax mailer. Uh, did anybody die from that? I don't think so. I don't think so either. You know, I don't. I have such a short memory. But it's because of that guy that we have to do these stupid drills here at CVS every now and again about what to do if you get a envelope full of white powder in the mail. Uh, so anyway, so thanks, thanks for that, thanks for adding you know it's like the airport security budget adding a bunch of layers of procedure to crap,
4: so meanwhile these uh terrorists, the earth Liberation front uh they're causing all kinds of problems again, they have set a home on fire at the street of dreams in Washington. uh let's see one home has been uh destroyed, three others damaged. FBI agent Bill Gavin says the environmental terrorists are attempting to uh, protest development like that's going to help it all. So here we go.
2: Homegrown terrorists, and uh, they can be uh, extremely influential and extremely damaging. They want you to stop doing things like logging. They want you to stop uh, interfering with the environment.
0: The answer is no. We're going to keep doing it. So he does, uh, So he does use the word terrorist. Yeah. Good for him. These are eco-terrorists. No, they are, but, you know, but it, 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 it's, now in this time of war, Tim, sometimes you'll note that people in the uh, position of authority are, uh, it's like somehow that word terrorist over the last few years, mm-hmm. in the opinion of many, now only applies, uh, you know, to like, uh, the, to Muslim folk we don't like. Oh,
4: no, these people destroyed a $2 million
0: house. They're terrorists. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. I'm in agreement on that. I'm just glad to, I'm glad to see the word is still in, you know, in, uh, you know, it's still in circulation and being used properly. Mm-hmm. I was afraid for a while that that was going to be one of those words that we only used for brown people we didn't like. No, so. these are white people, usually. F them. Yeah. You know, Again, the same thing. You, you know, we just, the, 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 really, the government ought to just take out a huge billboards saying, for every house you burn down, we're going to cut down an acre of trees. Yeah. That's it. Burn down a house, we're going to cut down an acre of trees, and then we're going to go shoot a dolphin. And that's it. And it'll be your fault. So, you know, either play along or don't. These uh, echo terrorists. Who's to houses? Really, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to yell over you. Who gets angry about houses? These yeah, are beautiful the houses, house. too. I mean, they're, they're wonderful houses. You know, is this just because some guy can't afford to live there? He can't afford to put a couple of nickels together to rent a room. If I, <laughs> if I burned down everything that I couldn't afford, I would, I would be living in my forerunner. That would be
4: it. There would be nothing left. So, seriously, F them. Yeah, so everybody knows about these eco-terrorists. Well, this
2: is a very active domestic terrorist group, and certainly one of the big priorities for the FBI. Any type of domestic terrorism is a priority, and this group especially.
4: They're known for their troublemaking.
2: I don't understand what their motives are, but not only have they started fires and new construction time and time again, but they've also attacked the U.S. Forest Service. They've attacked the land management. They hit meat processing companies, lumber companies, and even a power company in a ski facility.
4: Who attacks the forest service? He yeah, string them up by their Buster Browns. Jesus. Well, the strange thing about this is, if they're so against forests being burned, some of these houses are made out of wood. No, 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 that's crazy talk to him. There's lots of wood used in these houses.
0: God damn, I it. Two million dollar
4: houses. Everything, with everything in me, I hate them. That's uh, the only bad thing about Portland. It is full of... Anyway. Uh, most of the good people moved out.
0: Uh, let's see here. I are on the Rick Emerson radio program.
2: Yeah, and I just really wanted to thank Tim for reaching out to the older demographic, you know, like late 30s, and mentioning it earlier when you guys were talking about making lists of uh, potential serial killers, when he said, yeah, it'd be great if we made a
0: mimeograph of it and passed it around the office. Thank Sarah Dillon very, very mentioned much. mimeograph. What's that? I Sarah think Dillon mi- to be, mentioned the word mimeograph. I think that might have actually been me. I think okay. I <laughs> may have made a mimeograph reference. No. Uh, yeah. I do have a Lilton Girlish voice, though, Tim, so thank you. Uh, no, I think I made that reference. The mimeograph was a thing. Sarah, do you know what a mimeograph is? Well, your mom's a teacher, so you might. Now,
1: it's like an overhead? Oh, oh wow. it's like an overhead.
4: <laughs> oh, the hell
0: with you, Sarah Dillon.
4: A mimeograph is like—it smells great. I, I always remember that smell as a kid. Yeah, it yeah,
0: was like great. kind of like a glue sort yeah. of smell almost. A mimeograph was like a sort of ghetto Xerox machine.
7: It was it, on a round drum. You put your paper on it and you hand crank you, it. Yeah, or it, it or would
0: it be like, like a, a round. One. It's like a round printing press. And you put the original on a round drum and then you literally go... <laughs> and it cranks them out one at a time. And it was always light blue ink on white paper. Uh, and it was a, it was sort of a cost-efficient. This sounds dumb, but it was like a hand-run Xerox machine. Basically, it was like a good, it was like a printing press, but it was on a round drum, and it, you just turned it, and it would print itself onto paper one at a time. And teachers used them because it's, for whatever reason, I don't know why actually. Now that I think about it, they were always at schools. I don't know what the hell that was all about. I don't think Xerox machines had been invented yet, or in the mid- or maybe they were too. Maybe Xerox machines might have just been prohibitively expensive at that point.
4: Oh yeah, maybe that's so. Good. There you go, Xerox yeah, machines, and mini- what I do. Thank you. Here's Tim Riley. An escaped Spokane monkey bites three people. A group of boys was chasing the monkey down the street. He looked like he was going back home. But Dorothy Trujillo was bitten by the monkey. Then he came and charged me and grabbed my leg and bit it, said she. Uh, there is a risk of bacterial infections and a small risk of rabies, and there is no approved vaccine for monkey bites. Uh, the, let's see. Oh, apparently they refused to identify the owner, but said the person did not know it is illegal to keep a monkey within the city limits of Spokane. Is well, that true? Learn. Well, yes.
0: Okay. Who would have known? Learn something every day.
4: Uh, also out of Washington, uh, sheriff's deputies in Franklin County say a man had his friend shoot him in the shoulder so he wouldn't have to go to work. I he spoke to the deputies, uh, Daniel Cooch, uh, told them he'd been the victim of a drive-by shooting while he was jogging. But detective say Cooch later acknowledged and he asked a friend to shoot him so he could get some time off and avoid a drug test. The uh, friend has been arrested for an investigation of reckless endangerment. Uh, Cooch is expected to be charged with the police reporting. They're not saying where he works or whether or not he still has a job. By the
0: way, Aaron, the geek in the city, has compiled a big list of all of the people in his personal life who he believes to be serial killers or to have the potential to be serial killers. This is one of those lists that I'm unsure about reading on the air.
1: I think you should read it.
0: I'm going to think on that. I'm gonna I'm gonna think on that and decide later whether to read this list of folks who might make good serial killers. Here's Tim Riley.
4: Uh, A six-legged hexapus is the world's first. Who knows what a hexapus is? Hexapus. Hexapus. It is a six-legged octopus. This is a unique. Then it's not an octopus. It's a sexapus. (laughs) I mean a a hexapus. (laughs) It is a unique sea creature, yeah. which has two legs <laughs> more than a normal octopus.
0: James Bond, Ian
4: Sexapus. It is believed to be the result of a birth defect <laughs> rather than... This is going to be on the Best episode of Show tomorrow, <laughs> We've scoured the internet. I'm going to a man called Sexapus. <laughs> I a lot of other aquariums, and no one has ever heard of a hexapus <laughs> <laughs> or a six-legged octopus. Uh-huh. <laughs> It was discovered in a lobster pot two weeks ago. <laughs> what of eight hunters, I understand. <laughs> well, the staff, the, the, uh, right. the, the, the staff hadn't noticed that the octopus, <sighs> actually a hexapus, has two missing legs.
0: It's not like Heather has two mommies. Yes, it is.
4: Uh, it attached itself inside a glass tank at Sea Life in Britain, and the staff noticed he was two limbs short of an octopus. Octopuses are renowned for having three hearts and blue blood, but not six legs. It's a lovely little thing, said the spokeswoman, adding it'll go on display to the public later this month. The, four, the world's first, as far as we know, hexapus. Hexapus. A sexapus, though, would have six? Eight? No, seven.
0: What is, are what is sextuplets? Is that six? <laughs> is there six?
4: Six. Well, then why is there this? Would be a this is a sexap. <laughs> this is a hexapod. This is a hexapus.
1: No, no, no. But hex- you know, it's like the uh, the pianist and the uh, pianist. A pianist. This is. Don't the- want to say hexapod.
4: I'm not sure if the hexapod has a pianist. <laughs> <laughs> Win.
0: God, I love you. <laughs> Excellent. Red closed. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, tw- <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. All right. What
4: else would you like to hear? I don't
0: know. <laughs> really? I'm just going to let you steer the ship for a while. Okay.
4: I did have something
0: to am not too <sighs> long ago.
4: I don't know what I did with it. Okay. Uh, let's well, let's here. just take this
0: call. Yeah. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show.
2: Hey, kids. It's my man Brian. Welcome. What's up? Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey, I just wanted to correct you guys on a little bit of a downer. That anthrax thing that happened several years ago, there actually were two postal workers that died in that thing, and uh, it freaked everybody out in the post office like silver was day. So,
0: so, so there were some fatalities. It was people who carried the mail?
2: There were uh, people sorting mail, I believe, in one of the post offices back, I think, in D.C. area.
0: Oh, yeah, because then there was that woman who I think worked for the New York Post who right. had, like, a, a finger get infected or something from it.
2: Yeah, it was uh, it was bad news. And, no, they haven't caught the people that did it, and, uh, you know, who the heck knows. But, all right. Uh, yeah, so that's all well, I th- got. Things. Thank
0: you for the clarification, sir. Thank you. You know, show Thank Bye. you. Here's Tim Riley.
4: Well, the noses of trained dogs are hunting for bed bugs in New York City hotel and apartments. Radar the Beagle and the Australian Kelpie are part of a crank team of sniffer dogs sweeping apartments and hotel rooms across New York City to combat an infestation of plague-like proportions. Ugh. The animals are specially trained to root out the pesky, blood-sucking insects which nest on mattresses, upholstery, and other furniture. We're inundated with requests from hotels and apartment owners to come in and find their bed bugs. It's difficult to keep up with the man. Uh, some 2008 building owners were hit with the summonses last year. A dog's nose is cutting-edge technology. These animals are 100% honest and are trained to work for food and love insects. Each dog lives with a handler, but only one is allowed on furniture when they're working. Uh, we intend to use smaller dogs because they can negotiate tighter spaces. Wait, so the, the... The dogs just find the bed bugs and point them out, or do they eat them or something? I mean, you point them out. You know, I guess other people are in charge of eating them. Experts say the surge of international visitors to New York City is partially to blame for really? the epidemic of bed bugs. Are they really saying that? That foreigners
0: are bringing bed bugs to America? Especially from Asia and Europe.
4: <laughs> okay. Uh, previously, they used DTT to kill them, but apparently they can't do that anymore for some reason. Because I, uh, I think it kills bed bugs and those who sleep on them. The Yeah. Yes. Uh, two back-to-back earthquakes have like struck about 200 miles off the Oregon coast. There's no damage and no threat of a tsunami. This happened this morning. One was a 5.1, the other a 4.9. They hit about five minutes apart shortly after 7 o'clock this morning. Uh, police have arrested two men following a crime spree marked by gunshots, vandalism, and robbery. Two other suspects still on the loose. It all began 9 p.m. outside the All-Star Sports Bar at Southeast 2nd and Washington. A group of young men in a Mazda SUV followed one of the customers into the parking lot and started trouble. There was a bottle thrown at one of my security people, said the store owner. After the back door got busted, everybody hopped into the SUV and followed that car and took off. Then police got a call about gunshots being fired at 13th and Maple. Next camera reported of suspects fitting that same description, throwing rocks and beer bottles at a woman at 13th and Walnut. As officers arrived at the gunshot scene, they were flying down by a man who said his backpack was stolen by suspects in a similar vehicle. So they suspect uh, these people were in a crime spree. Under arrest is 20-year-old Antonio Estrada and 22-year-old Roberto Carlos Tena. They're charged with criminal mischief, assault, and robbery. No sooner were deputies booking this when there was another crime spree going on in Forest Grove. And a couple of teenagers uh, were arrested for, let's see, uh, breaking glass and going on an overnight rampage. Apparently, there was a flood of calls in neighborhoods throughout Forest Grove. People were hit by flying rocks and soda cans everywhere. Windows were shattered, and a woman on Willamana Avenue reported that her front door was kicked in. Under arrest are two no-good teenagers.
0: By the way, you did that. You asked to hear this Obama soundbite again. It did. So this is from last night's installment of 60 Minutes, uh, which I have to thank uh, listener Garrett for this. <clears throat> he uh, pointed this out. I only saw little bits of it, but he, he sent along some YouTube links to it. So this is Steve Croft, who really must be given credit for just sitting in a house with these these retards. Uh, this is in southern Ohio, uh, where, you know, the salt of the earth comes from. These are the real Americans. So he's he's sitting here talking to these three guys, and they're just, man, just a bunch of lumps. I mean, really, honestly. The Let me see if I can find... See if I can find the actual uh, the actual YouTube link so you guys can watch it. Um, Maybe I'll post I'll post this here. So the YouTube link it's it's about all of these sort of little uh, under the radar whispers about Barack Obama being you know like a Muslim or being you know whatever all of it you know untrue of course.
4: So he's sitting here in the
0: in the in uh,
4: and because they heard it on talk radio, <laughs> talk you know, on that crap gives us a bad name. It it really does. I mean, I can, I can just imagine what the salespeople face while trying to sell this because everybody thinks all this stuff is related. We don't do any of this. Well, you probably have that. I mean, if you talk to people, what do
0: you do? Well, I you know I work on the radio, and of course when you say when you tell someone even now in 2008 when you tell somebody you work on the radio, they always assume it's music radio first of all just because that's. I don't know. I guess that that's maybe the default setting in most people's head when you talk about radio, especially people of a certain age. I think they think of music radio. And plus, let's be honest, because we don't, because we're not uh, like a thousand years old and balding and gray and, and paunchy, they therefore assume because right because that's the thing. Like if I. Uh, I mean, uh, if I looked that like if I looked like Wilfred Brimley and I said I worked on the radio, they would probably assume talk radio. But because we don't typically we don't look like the average talk radio guy, they assume it's music radio. And so I'll say, yeah, I work on the radio, and they go, oh really? Where at? And I'll say, I work at AM 970. Sometimes they know the station or they know the show. Sometimes they don't, and they'll go, what's that? And of course, as soon as I meet somebody and I you know and I say, and it's not like I go out of the way, hey, I work on the radio, but it, it'll, like it'll come up. Like if I get if I'm getting my hair cut and the woman goes. so what do you do for a living and I, uh, in my head i always mentally flip a coin like javier badem and i kind of think to myself am i going to make up a cover story or, or am i just going to bring the truth i, I use the, the cover
1: truth? story a lot because
0: what, what is your cover when you're getting your hair cut she says what do you do for work what do you, what's your cover I'll story i'll
1: usually just say just something like oh um, i'm working at a coffee shop
0: i've said data entry because it means nothing, and they ask no follow-up questions.
4: <laughs> I say I'm an insurance agent, and that quiets them <laughs> right away, and they finish cutting my hair. There are no further questions for somebody in insurance because
0: because they know if they ask a single question of an insurance agent, it's going to be, well, why don't you come back to the office and I'll do your actuarial tables. You're going to turn into Ned Ryerson. Yep. <laughs> so occasionally, though, every now and again, I'll say, well, I, you know, I work on the radio, and uh, and and so they'll say, oh, what station? AM the 70. What's that? And then you face that horrible fork in the road of do I say it's a talk radio station? Knowing
1: you hate it because like talk radio, it's like oh talk radio. They
0: immediately assume it's like a Lars Larson exactly. kind of a thing. And then and then you have and then I and I'm not complaining about it as such. It just is a little difficult to get out in in, in one sentence because they'll say what kind of radio? Talk radio. And they go oh. And then I and then i it's incumbent upon me then as an ambassador of the station to point out that it's not just some uh, some uh, nitwit, either like left-wing or right-wing crazy station. So I always have to fall, and I fall back on using that dumb line that I always make fun of. It's like Maxim meets John Stewart, which I hate, but which is the thing I end up saying all the time. Uh, so here are some folks who undoubtedly like uh, See, Nutty Talk Radio. Obama, his a word that he's not a right. you know, oh, It least... starts off, by the way, with him asking Hillary about Obama being a Muslim, and she does that great thing of tagging it with something like, you know, as far as I know, or I don't believe so. You I forget. Senator Obama, it is a word that he's not right. a Muslim. No. You don't believe that he's a Muslim. No, no, why do I do not. No, right. no
1: there, there
9: is nothing to, to base that on, as far as I know. It's
0: just a... <laughs> what she says every time. So, all right, so now we go to the idiots. Uh, these, My opinion. Senator Obama. My, my opinion is protected by the First Amendment. These nitwits uh, in southern Ohio has another problem, a malicious campaign against him that surfaced in a number of our interviews. Who are you going to vote for? Um, I mean, um, really, I have to just tell you, this guy that that says this thing, he's a large man, of course, wearing like a bad, ill-fitting sort of plaid shirt, leaning back, I mean, look, my favorite song is Thank God for Kids. (laughs) (laughs) I hate to sound like Katie Couric in that Donna Mike promo, but I mean, friend, you're on national television, on CNN straighten up sit up and look respectable he's not though he's leaning back on the sofa like shoving his crotch out of Steve Croft with like his legs splayed wide open just just it, really it's like you expect him at one point to put his hand down the front of his trousers like Al Bundy style against him that surfaced in a number of our interviews who are you gonna vote for?
3: I'm I'm leaning towards Obama. Hey, Obama. Which issues with him? I'm not too clear on. Which uh, issues? Well, I'm hearing he doesn't even know the national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't use the holy Bible. Uh, he's got his own beliefs uh, with the Muslim beliefs and whatnot. A couple issues that bothers me at heart.
0: So. Uh- Bothers me at heart. So he's clearly researched this very carefully. And so Steve Croft, as opposed to taking out like a big annotated list of rebuttals or pointing to the guy, Steve Croft is so great he just goes, oh, you know, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's not true.
3: No. I'm just, this is what I've been told.
0: It's one of the things. <laughs> to... So why so so, I've been told? guy's just a maroon. And so the best part about it is, this guy they're talking to, this this sofa lump, doesn't blink. That's the weird. Thing. At no point in this does he close his eyes. It's just one big unbroken, like not too bright, glassy stare. So, uh, and then they have Obama. He found in Southern Ohio.
7: Who's, who's pretty cool in his response.
0: Up on our radar screen all the time. People talking about it. This idea that you're a Muslim. Right? Did you correct them, Steve? I like how he puts it on Steve, like it's like it's Steve's cross-responsibility.
4: Steve, did you do what I told you to do? All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. So now we have Hillary, who made a surprise appearance on Saturday Night Live.
1: But I would like to take this opportunity to say to all Americans... Be they from the great state of Ohio or Texas, Rhode Island or Vermont, Pennsylvania, or any of the other states, live from New York, it is Saturday night! Mm. I... I'm just kind of tired of that. I
0: Well, and I think that if somebody else made this observation that I think it is emblematic of Hillary's failure to read the culture correctly, that she thinks going on SNL is still like the groundbreaking way to the heart of America's young people.
4: Well, I mean, the people running the show are the same people who lost elections for Democrats over and over and over again.
0: Yep. no, it's true. Same crowd. No, it's absolutely true. This guy makes an interesting point, though. I hadn't really uh, thought about this. He says, it is interesting to note that the redneck sounding guy in the clip is planning on voting Democrat, though. Says you think he'd be all over voting for some hick Republican guy. Yeah, but he's probably one of those Republicans for whom John McCain is, like, not conservative enough. He's one of those, uh, before I vote for McCain, I'd vote for Obama. So that, that I I suspect that is the, uh, that's the deal with that guy.
4: So uh, Hillary Clinton's red phone fear tactic does not help her campaign so much as raise issues against her, says Barack Obama. Uh, so Hillary's red phone co- uh, commercial is what everybody's been talking about all weekend. It's
8: 3 a.m. and your children are safe and asleep. But there's a phone in the White House and it's ringing. Something's happening in the world. Your vote will decide who answers that call. The best
0: part is that she Whether never actually someone answers who already the phone. knows
8: the world's
2: leaders, knows the military,
8: someone tested and ready to lead an Hillary, answer the it's phone! It's 3 a.m. and your children are safe and asleep. Who do you want answering the phone?
6: Hillary Clinton, and I approve this message.
0: Wow. (laughs) Doesn't it seem like if the red phone is ringing, that's like a second ring at most kind of an
4: answer? So Barack Obama has a red phone commercial, too.
2: It's 3 a.m., and your children are safe and asleep. But there's a phone ringing in the White House. Something's happening in the world. When that call gets answered, shouldn't the president be the one the only one who had judgment and courage to oppose the Iraq war from the start, oh. who understood the real threat to America, was al-Qaeda in Afghanistan, not Iraq, who led the effort to secure loose nuclear weapons around the globe. In a dangerous world, it's judgment that matters. I'm Barack Obama, and I approve this message.
0: I'm so t- tomorrow's a big day. I'm Barack Obama. Eat that, Hillary Clinton. Yeah. That's a great response, Ed. It really yeah. is. Uh, he's been using that out of the stump a lot, too, where he, he says uh, he did some speech the other day where... You know, uh, Hillary Clinton had her chance to answer the red phone, and she gave the wrong answer when she said to invade Iraq. And then he did everything but sort of like run around the room, high fiving everybody on how great he was because that was—it's a really good response ad. That's pretty devastating. Well done, Barack Obama. Anyway, so it's tomorrow. Yeah, and so forth.
4: Well, wouldn't you know it? A retired Nebraska construction worker has won a million dollars from Publishers Clearinghouse. Are you Jack? Yeah, I am. Hi, Jack. How you doing? Real good. I'm Dave Sayer from Publishers Clearinghouse. Guess what? One. One. <laughs> <Ta-da>! <laughs> <All right! laughs>
0: uh, how do you like well, that? I'd love
8: it.
5: He
0: was like that. Barack's a Muslim! Yeah,
2: my wife <laughs> says that'll never happen. <laughs> <laughs> this? <Wouldn't she resist? laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, wow, really? That'll never happen. <laughs> <laughs> this?
0: My name's Snuffy. I'm a biker. So, where was that? Nebraska, uh, America's heartland again. <laughs> again, we return to the to the to the smart belt of America. <laughs> Um, well, when did Ed McMahon stop doing that? Oh, a long time Does ago. Does he not, or did he never really do it? Did he only do it, do you think, for the commercials? Do you suppose that was just for the camera, like he did it once or twice for the TV ads, and then you always got doors way back one? but he stopped doing it? Well, that's because, and it was always, did he have the big cardboard check? Probably. Yeah. I wonder if McMahon did that a couple times, and then maybe his endorsing fee got too high or something, uh, because, you know, they they paid to have Ed McMahon be their spokesman, so... The uh, and then he shows up with the big, uh, the big, uh, the big cardboard check on your front door. The Publishers Clearinghouse is just one of those things that uh, uh, you don't really think about that. It's it's like the Pillsbury Bake Off or something. It's one of those pieces of Americana that everybody sort of knows, but you kind of you don't really think about the fact that every year they are showing up on
4: some some Saps porch with that. All right, it is the 15th anniversary of Mrs Doubtfire, and a new special edition is coming out on DVD. It's the what? Of what? The 15th anniversary. Oh, okay, all right. I mean, they
1: said 15th. Yeah, me
4: too. Oh, no. 15th. Uh, actor Matthew Lawrence, who mm-hmm. plays the teenage son Chris in the movie, say working with Robin Williams and Sally Field was amazing.
7: I definitely have taken more of them away from the project than actually, you know, being able to watch the scenes in the movie. It's, it's, I can't really even watch the movie. Um, it's kind of a bummer because I can't enjoy it like everybody else. But like I have, we all
4: did. You
2: know, <laughs>
7: irreplaceable
2: uh, experiences with those two. Uh,
4: what extra features are on the special edition DVD?
2: There's, you know, alternate scenes you haven't seen. Uh, a lot of, you know, Robin's uh, improv. and
0: it's nothing I love than Robin leaves him, like, improv. Apartment yeah. and showing Robin go There's so little of it to be found. <laughs> to <laughs> it's a rare commodity.
4: Uh-huh. So anyway, uh, this guy's brother, Joey Lardz, for some reason, everyone's getting their head shaved these days to look tough. He took Tab out of his hectic schedule to let it be known he plans on releasing a men's clothing line. Joey Lawrence? All right, well, How let's... ugly could that possibly be? <laughs> he looks like.
1: It's, he's one of those ones that went all baldy, right? Like, yeah. they They're
4: making everybody go bald.
1: Man, him and Howie Mandel, they look so I was terrible just going to
4: say,
0: he looks like Howie Mandel, and it's not just because he's bald.
1: No, uh, those so are men who should that not that. be bald.
0: You know, I don't think Howie Mandel looks that bad.
1: Seriously, with the bald. big like pirate hoop that he has. Going well, on. see, but
0: that's the earring. That's not the bald. That's not the bald. the
1: earring and the bald. Okay, together. but did you ever
0: see him when he had hair?
1: Yeah, and he was he wasn't the bad. But he, he had he the big
0: white man's fro though. So I like that better than like the Mr. Clean head. I think I think the bald thing. I think he can kind of make it work. But here's here's the thing about being bald, is. I think if you're going to shave your head, and you're, this is a white guy advice only, if you're a white guy and you're going to shave your head, uh, you have to be in good shape. That's the thing. Uh, or at least large. Like, even if you're just overweight. Like Ricky Martin. Well, Ricky Martin didn't shave his head. You he sure did. Well, I don't think he's a white man. <laughs> so, but he this is why. Really? This... <laughs> he tries to. Are you saying? Okay. He's indistinguishable in your assessment. Um, the... But when did he shave his head? Recently. Why? Does it, everyone's getting their head shaved. Don't okay, but lie. that's but, 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 but why would Ricky Martin do that? Ricky Martin's an attractive man. Did he think he was going to look more so without hair? Hardly so. It's the rare man that looks better when he shaves his head. Let's just put that out there, first of all. Uh, that was my whole thing, because, uh, you know, here's a good... <clears throat> we're kind of all over the map with this, but... So, Fat Boy at KUFO shaved his head. Uh, he has that whole Malkovich thing going on. and I And his thing was... You know, he was losing his hair, and he just thought, F it. Uh, I'm just, you know, he, he thought he was at the point of no return, eh, shaved his head. He kind of makes it work, but I think he's the rare sort of in-shape guy that makes it work. Because I think if you're a white man, you're going to shave your head. You either have to be in really good muscular shape, or if you're just sort of a big guy... You can make it work. Ian Gordon did that. Michael Chiklis does it. If you're skinny, though, a skinny white man cannot shave his head because you will look like a Nazi. That's really it. That's that. That's the only thing. You're you will look like Private Pile, or you're gonna look like a Nazi, or you're gonna like a look like Private Joker. That's it. So I I don't understand why Ricky Martin would do that. Howie Mandel looks okay only because. Hmm. I think he does it. He looks okay, except when he tries to rock that earring, though. Uh, I think he has some clothing choices that don't work well with the shaved head.
1: I don't know. I just it doesn't work. It, I thought that forever. It just does not work for me.
0: I don't understand why Joey Lawrence would shave his head, though. That just
4: makes no sense at all. Well, he's tried all kinds of things, and he hasn't been successful at it. Is, is that his next on the list of things to get noticed? Shame head. He tried to establish himself as a dramatic actor changing his name to Joe. But everyone know it was actually Joe E. And he's gonna be and he's gonna be releasing
0: a men's clothing line, apparently. Imagine wearing clothing that said Joey Lawrence on the front of it. Mm. That's that's a thing that's never gonna happen. All right, well there you go. So don't yeah, don't do that. Don't do these things. All right. I don't know what we're doing
4: now. I thought we were taking a commercial break.
0: Oh yeah! Oh Jesus! It's 12:40. Thanks, Tim. Well spotted. You're welcome. We're taking a break here. Back after this. It's 5:03, 733-2970. Coming up later on. Peter Carn for the Oregonian. More from Tim Riley. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Stay there.
1: It is. It's my thing. It's my pet peeve.
0: We'll talk about it here in just a while. Hold on to that hate. All right. 503-733-2970. Hello, Tim Riley.
4: Hello. Let's have some more news. All right. Well, John McCain has the help of a Texas televangelist. Uh, his name is John Hagee. He has referred to the Roman Catholic Church as the Great Whore and called it a false <laughs> cult system. And uh, he's also uh, linked Adolf Hitler to the Catholic Church, suggesting it helped shape his anti-Semitism. Um, McCain says he doesn't necessarily agree with some of his comments. As such, mm-hmm. All right. indeed, in the past few decades, he has waged an unrelenting war against the Catholic Church. Says Bill Donahue. Of course. Do we have sound? Please. We come don't. Up, uh, unfortunately, we don't. I can do. I can do my artist rendering. And he's waged an
0: unceasing war against the Catholic Church. <laughs> You know who you know who Bill Donahue is? Bill Donahue is Principal Mc, Principal McVicker from Beavis and Butthead. And you kids have been the cause of all kinds of trouble at this school. Uh, uh, that's, that's exactly what what Bill Donahue sounds like. Uh, Beavis and Butthead are not to be allowed on campus. It's taco day.
4: So, excellent.
0: William Donahue. That's a guy who will live forever on the power of his his pure white hatred. All right. Uh, Let's see. Let's get the... Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey,
2: Rick. What's up? I was just curious. uh, You were talking about Hillary on uh, Saturday Night Live. I was curious if you remember the last person involved with the Clinton administration to go on that show was uh, Monica Lewinsky. She wasn't... Oh, yeah. She wasn't the guest. She just, like, showed up. It was, a it was like
0: of the skits. yeah, it was one of those like hit and run things. Yeah. Yeah, that what, was
10: just. That
2: I don't. Just a, I I don't
0: even think I watched it though. I don't. I don't think I watched it, or I don't think I remember anything about it. Did you, how'd she look?
2: Uh, I don't know. Kind of fat and pasty. Uh, <laughs> it was. It was right about the time she was getting ready to launch her book, and when she was trying to get someone to pay her a million dollars to come on a talk show. That's right. She showed up on that Molly Shannon sketch where they sit around talking on the radio about like canning fruit. And yeah,
0: I saw a picture of her like the, the other day, some picture taken of her where she was in um, Manhattan, and she was, like all a female celebrity photos, it's her with huge sunglasses and a Starbucks cup, and I don't remember anything else about it. So that's right, I totally forgotten that. So,
4: all right, excellent, thank you, sir. Yep, bye. All right, there you go, here's Tim Riley. Well, a good Samaritan helped an unconscious TriMed bus driver, who was behind the wheel of a runaway bus yesterday afternoon. Apparently had a heart attack while consciousness while driving the fifty nine bus on Barnes Road near Baltic Avenue around noontime. Fortunately the bus was empty at the time. Several people who were nearby witnessed the bus moving slowly up the hill while the unconscious driver was still behind the wheel. That's creepy. Mm-hmm. Good Samaritans included a retired bus driver who just happened to be there. That's a good thing. He jumped on board and was eventually able to maneuver the, the runaway bus well, into a ditch. I don't well was the bus empty?
0: Yes. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, why didn't no one on the bus do this? All right, but there's nobody else there. There's nobody else there. Yeah, well the bus done. is empty. Well done, sir. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello.
10: You know, like a, uh, a summer mosquito to a bug zapper, I'm just uh, uh, uncontrollably attracted to inanity. Uh, you know, on this baldness thing, I would take yeah. uh, some difference uh, to. Well, first of all, Sarah's wrong, and you're wrong on. Hold on. Make, let's let's hold on. Let's network. let's
0: let's stop here for a second. <laughs> First of all, are you now or have you ever been uh, an employee of a radio station? <laughs> no. Are you sure yeah. you've kind of, you've kind of got that cadence to your voice like a guy who's an embittered ex radio employee
10: uh no, I asked many of my you know friends and they'd probably uh you know i don't know i guess it's, maybe that's just that's the way I play out who knows okay anyway let's uh... let,
0: drop your science on me, sir.
10: <laughs> well, I, I have I have known many a uh, a a willful intentful bald person, uh, my younger brother uh, included. And you have
0: a strange way of speaking.
10: <laughs> uh, sorry, it's just my cadence. Uh, the the uh, the the common element, or what I, what I found to be, it, it's not body shape. It's not being in shape. It is the shape of the head. And any anomalies on the head.
0: Okay, now that's a fair point too, because he look like Sloth uh, from the Goonies. You can't, you can't shave your head. No question. True.
10: I'll give uh, note. Many NBA players have uh, gone bald. Now here's take two two teammates: uh, Michael Jordan, and Scotty Pippen. Michael Jordan. Good looking bald guy. Scotty Pippen, uh, not so much. Here's,
0: a, here's the thing about Jordan. His head is perfectly symmetrical. He that's that's the thing. He's a good looking yeah. man in general, but his head is perfectly that symmetrical. Is
10: what is required. That is the whole thing. My younger brother can pull it off one summer. He said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going bald. He just all of a sudden shaved it, and it's like, hey, you know what? It works. And then he got tan, and it, you know, flowed just fine.
0: And but some it, of those things, like, you won't realize your head is shaped oddly until you shave your head. Like, that's, that's a. That's yeah. really where you gotta jump in with both feet to determine whether or not it's gonna work for you. you.
10: You gotta know. You gotta be really confident about it. For myself, I, you know, my, my forehead, I think it's a little bit too high. I think I've got too much, of a little bit blockish of shape. I wouldn't pull it off. I'm not even gonna try it. Secondly, on, uh, Joey Lawrence. Yeah. I really believe, he's, he's a pretty short guy, if I remember right. Like, he's maybe 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, real life. Sure. And r- recall back to his <laughs> blossom days, toward the end of the series, he had, he was going the whole, uh, I don't know, I don't know what his look was. It was kind of a grungish sort of thing. He grew his hair out. It was all this, I mean, just a full friggin' head of hair. But he's, because of his shortness, his head looked enormous. <laughs> just enormous. And so to me, I, I'm just, you know, supposing here that possibly the head shaving could have been, well, you gotta reduce some of this melon mass.
0: <laughs> okay, here's the thing about this call. <laughs> This call is, is I'm going it, to, it, it's not that the call is, is good or bad. It's somewhere in between. Carpet well. here's the, We've been in business. I appreciate that. Here's the thing. It's, you, you take a long time to say everything, but I, of course, am no slouch in that front. So you take a long, you take a long time to make all your points, but I will say this. You make up for it because about every five or eight seconds you have a little word gem, like reducing melon mass. So the call really is a net win, sir.
10: I, I've been I've been said that uh, I
0: speak deliberately. Yes, yeah, no, so. that is that is also true. All right, thank you. Certainly. Hey, one more thing. Oh,
4: Jesus, really? Okay.
0: Oh. <laughs> All right, well done. Here's Tim Riley.
4: Uh, the president has awarded a Medal of Honor to a Sioux Indian who fought in the Korean War. Uh, Army Master Sergeant Woodrow Wilson Keeble... Died 25 years ago. The president said this medal is a little late, but here it is. My pot's down it.
2: Whatever the reason, the uh.
4: first who to ever receive the Medal of Honor died without
2: knowing it was his. A terrible injustice was done to a good man, to his family, and to history. And today, we're going to try to set things right.
0: Not that it matters, I'm just gonna say, really, that's that's a little bit of the horses. The horse has left the barn, run down the uh, run down the road, and died of old age.
4: Of all the things he had to do today,
0: <laughs> I mean, you know him? He's stopping? No, 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 no. Let's uh, let's give a medal to a dead
4: guy. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, something for the ladies. Bravo's Real Housewives is heading to the Big Apple. The cable channel will premiere The Real Housewives of New York City tomorrow, featuring five real Manhattan socialites. Among them is Jill Zarin, who describes her life in the city.
11: You get your kids off to school, I get ready for work, I go yes. to work, but I also have the social aspect because the proximity is so close in New York. I try to have lunch with my girlfriends frequently, I do. I go to a lot of social events at night, so I'm always looking for clothes.
0: Oh, to see her attacked by wolverines. And really. A New York
4: woman does not go into the night like women on the West Coast.
11: We don't have plastic surgery. I mean, not major. Like, we don't have blue shots <laughs> and things like that. I don't know if it's the weather, the climate, that we're not as exposed physically. So being physically out there. You know, that we, in little tank tops that were more self conscious because we all covered up more in the winter.
0: Who is this woman and who gave her a television program? I mean, really. Anybody can get
4: one these days. I, don't She's you... a real housewife of New York City. Her name is Jill.
0: Don't you think we ought to be agitating for somebody to give us a TV series right now? We should be demanding our own reality show. It does seem like they're sort of being handed out like bags of popcorn at mm-hmm. Woolworths. So, well, all right. So, there's a thing you don't have to watch.
4: Uh, let's see. She uh, lives on the Upper uh, East Side. She has a 15-year-old daughter and three kids of her own, ages 25, 28, and 31. I'm sure Who's will... she dropping off at school?
0: I if that's the case. She has a 15-year-old daughter. Oh, a 15-year-old son. You know, the, you By know her the
4: current husband. You
0: know the daughter is equally unlikable, if not more so.
4: Probably. All right. Uh, teenagers who hang out outside one apartment building in Queens are getting an airful these days. A new security device called the Mosquito is being installed in the lobby of the building where there have been chronic problems with noisy teenagers. Attention all landlords, this is a wall-mounted device emitting a high-frequency screech that can only be heard by people ages 13 to 25. Older people can't hear it. It sounds like when you put a microphone too close to a TV, a teenager says it's annoying, but an adult says it doesn't bother me. The building superintendent said the mosquito has kept the lobby free of loitering teenagers so far. Why not try one in your well, room? Well, they try this
0: uh, every so often. You'll see the, that story like once a year where some 7-Eleven has decided to play, be, play Mozart or something in the parking lot because it's going to run up, and it never works. So this is, this is like uh, I those... I we
4: tried this a few weeks ago.
0: This is like those cell phone ringtones that only kids can hear. So they're using that as some sort of... It's like one of those things... Do those things work that you... Uh, those... Uh, those, what's it, those little boxes you plug in, and it's supposedly at some frequency that only, like, rats and cockroaches can hear? I've never had a rat or cockroach problem, so I couldn't tell you. Well,
1: I'm sure works, because they're like dog whistles, or we can't hear them.
0: I guess. I always wonder if those are... That's not like a sharper image product. That's like one of those things from a sub-sharper image catalog, mm-hmm. uh, where it's like some third-tier sharper image knockoff. And it's always the same. They show the box being plugged in, and then, and then there's some wacky cartoon of, like, rats running for the door because they can't take the noise. And just... And that seems like one of those things. Like, how would you know if that worked? That's my whole thing. If if you bought a, a, a box and the whole shtick was that it made a noise you cannot hear, and it rid your house of cockroaches, and like, how would you even know if that worked? I mean, I guess it maybe you saw a billion cockroaches and then there were none there after a while. Mm-hmm. That seems like a that seems like a device whose efficacy it's difficult to test.
4: All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, The Rolling Stones singer Mick Jagger escaped an assassination plot hatched by the Hells Angels. Uh, This is from a BBC show. It said the rock star was targeted in 1969 following a purported dispute with a motorcycle gang over concert security. The Hells Angels had been hired on recommendation of the Grateful Dead as security. Uh, Apparently, they had a lot of recommendations. This happened at the Ultimate Speedway in California during a free concert featuring... The Jefferson Airplane, the Flying Burrito Brothers, and the Stones, among other acts, in December 1969. The dead ended up canceling their performance after an altercation between the Hells Angels and the Airplane's Marty Balin. Later, during the Stones' performance, a fan Meredith Hunter was killed by the Hells Angels. The event was documented in the film, Give Me Shelter. Gang members hatched a plan to kill Jagger at his holiday house in Long Island. Uh, their attack by sea was thwarted when a storm hit their boat. Throwing a man overboard. Well, wow, that's pretty incredible. The alleged plan was disclosed during an interview with Matt Young, a former FBI officer, for the BBC's "The FBI" a 100 documentary.
0: That's pretty great. If you watch that film, uh, "Give Me Shelter," it's pretty creepy, uh, because, um, and I, I think it is. Is it during Under My Thumb, or is it? I think it's during Under My Thumb, uh, where the Stones were doing this this concert at Altamont, the Altamont Speedway, and it was going to be like the follow-up to Woodstock and and the the hell's angel, and who first of all, who hires the hells angels to be security, and secondly, who does it on the recommendation of the grateful dead maybe um, they
4: they just check their references
0: and they <laughs> maybe <laughs> um uh so anyway, you watch the 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 concert footage, and so the stones are playing, and then there's some guy in the front that I think is just trying to get closer to the closer to to the stage. And of course, normal security, you know, you're trying to get closer to the stage, they whatever, they, they push you back, or they bring you over the rail, or they ask you to leave. Now the, the Hells Angels just stab the guy to death. So, and it's all on film, which is the creepy part, because they were filming the concert to be released as a movie. So in the, like in the background, there's the Stones playing their song, and in the foreground, you just see the Hells Angels like stabbing some poor bastard to death, like right in the front row of the crowd. It really is uniquely disturbing to watch.
4: Uh, two armed thieves picked the wrong night to rob a Sydney nightclub, disturbing members, 50 motorcycle bikers, who tackled and hogged one of the thieves till police arrived. The Southern Cross Cruiser Club was staging its monthly meeting at Sydney's, uh, West Township when two men armed with machetes entered the club and ordered patrons to lie on the ground and surrender their money. Well, the, uh, the bandits did not realize that there were 50 bikers in the next room. I was in the middle of one of my meetings when somebody ran in and said, this place is being robbed, said the biker president. So we ran around the, uh, the door in front, and this guy opened up the roller door, and we tackled him in the doorway. The thief managed to escape the biker's tackle, but was caught in between the bikers. We caught him at the fence and crushed, tackled him, and hung, tied him to the ground and waited for the police to get here. Yeah, he picked the wrong knight, I think. <laughs> the other thief jumped over the balcony and ran into a nearby park. He was also quickly captured. Uh, times sure have changed in the 19 years since Harrison Ford last donned the signature fedora and thrill-seeking Indiana Jones movie persona. The viral spread for the trailer for Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is proof of that. The trailer for the May 22nd release has drawn enthusiastic responses in theaters, but it's had its bigger impact online. Well, because
0: nobody wants to pay to see that Spiderwick Chronicles or whatever the hell... Uh, that it's like a like a weird lemony snicket kind of film or whatever that it's in front of, so everybody just watches it on the net.
4: So the trailer's been seen more than 200 million times in the first week alone. So that's quite a thing, isn't it? <sighs> yes, the, it is. The brainchild of uh, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, the franchise kicked off the Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark in 1981, followed by Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom three summers is it later. It 1981? I
0: thought it was later yeah. than that. God damn, I'm old. <laughs> Everybody's getting old. Alright. Uh, hello? Shame. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show.
10: Yeah, hi Rick. Hey, What's those, up? uh, plug-in, uh, pest, pest deals? Yeah. They actually do work because right, right next door to me, they, they, uh, tore up a field to build a bunch of houses there. So our whole neighborhood basically got infested with, like, field mice and stuff. And we were, we, we just couldn't buy enough mouse traps, anything like that. Couldn't do it. I bought some of those and I haven't had any any sense excellent. and it it's all, also works for spiders and as far as i know elephants i don't have any of those
2: either maybe, if I,
0: mean, I, maybe if I bought several i could actually direct creatures from my house into my neighbor's dwelling you yeah know I mean?
2: well i you know like i have four of them and they're plugged out you know i plugged a couple in in the garage and a couple in the house and and it really does make a difference
0: excellent have you ever worked security at a concert
4: sir no
0: i haven't all right just checking all right thank you all right bye all right fantastic my, my name is Smokey. here's tim riley
4: Comedian Will Ferrell's big screen return was a slam dunk at this weekend's box office. His basketball-inspired comedy semi-pro grabbed the top spot by earning $15.3 million. Last week's number one thriller Vantage Point followed in second with $13 million. The big screen version of the best-selling children's book The Spiderwick Chronicles was third with $8.8 million, Followed by the debut of The Other Bowling Girl starring Natalie Portman and Scarlett Johansson with 8.3. Rounding out the top five was the action flick jumper, which brought in $7 million.
0: Any comments on I have this no movie? observations. I haven't seen any of those. Well, it's the Will Ferrell thing, and it's that it's jumper, which I got her mixed reviews on, and then there's. Yeah, he dresses up like
4: the 70s, which seems to work for him Scarlett all the time. Johansson. Yeah,
0: I got nothing. <coughs> I'm busy reading this email from this guy that says Rick, did you see Obama's speech from Rhode Island? If you can find CNN's coverage of this, look for the fat little girl standing to his left holding a sign. This is equal parts great and horrifying, by the way. Says, uh, I'll have to clean this up a little bit for the air. Um, But apparently, um, so I guess there's Obama giving a speech in Rhode Island on CNN. I guess there's a, quote, fat little girl standing next to him who... he He claims that she's repeatedly... I know this is horrifying. Can I apologize in advance for having to use this phrase on the air? Well, it is after lunch hour. It is. He's, he says that she. Let me just say this. Apparently, on camera, she engages in the following gestures. Um, apparently, she repeatedly, uh, puts her hand back to scratch her ass, sort of deeply. Um, and then I guess at one point, she's holding an Obama sign, and she must have, um, Perhaps past broken wind, as they say, because yes, at one point they, on camera she uses the Baruch sign to sort of wave, just sort of wave the air around in front of her. And He said she then scratches her ass again and then begins to sniff her fingers on camera. <laughs> he says
4: this so this, this prompted uh, this
0: prompted gross. CNN to go to a split screen with some analysts instead of showing that shot. <laughs> that's fantastic. He said it aired around 1 p.m. Pacific. Please, if, if anybody can find. The, that video footage. That sounds like something worth its weight in gold. Fantastic, wonderful. Jesus. All right. Oh, by the way, Tim and Sarah, I emailed you each a copy of the Are You a Glutton test. So I, uh, should Tim, we I, take it? I sent that to your. Uh, Is this something that we should be taking? Your non. Well, uh, would you, if you'd like to know whether or not you, you might be a glutton? I, don't I just took it. Did you take the test? Mhm. You can't take the test without me. Oh
1: no! I did. I only did like half of it. All right. Because I did know. Because you didn't tell me. You so might just be like. A glove.
0: Yeah. No. We, uh, we. It's. It's actually pretty. Uh, we can actually take it on the air. It's actually only about nine questions long. Uh, let's see here. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hello. Hi.
2: How are you, Rick?
4: I'm fine.
0: Wonderful.
4: Hey. Okay. I was just.
2: Uh, I was just listening to this cat just a, a call ago saying how. uh, these uh these little ultrasonic pest monitors uh work really well, well, let me tell you, I work in the field. it's a bunch of
0: crap wait, hold on when you it's, say you work in the field yes what field i am
2: in the i am in the pest control industry i see so
0: do you exterminate I, things do you kill living creatures? I, I am a hired assassin yes i am <laughs> what kind of what kind of things do you exterminate sir
2: everything you uh for the right price uh, two legged ones too.
0: Okay. Uh, is it like typically mice, cockroaches, things like that? Yes. Here's a question. Uh, how does that how does that really work? So if you're an exterminator, is yeah. it like John Goodman in Arachnophobia? Do you walk in with like the jet pack and like a hose or like a a little spray thing like you have at the do-it-yourself car wash? How does that work?
2: Well, it all depends on what you're trying to get rid of. Well, well let's say I got yes. the
0: let's say I got the I don't know uh, just uh, the the mice in my house.
2: Uh, you basically use a bunch of snap traps and uh, and some bait maybe. But besides that, you know, uh, pretty much John Goodman to get rid of the ants. What stuff. is the
0: What is the best bait for attracting mice?
5: Ah,
2: uh, as far, pretty much, uh, best thing I've ever found is uh, just a little, a little sticky pad you can buy at Walmart or, or wherever, and just put some peanut butter right in the center of it. All right, so it's it works not, really well
0: because you, because of course, growing up in America, one thinks that it's cheese because we've been indoctrinated by cartoons. Yes, we have. All right, all right. So you're saying the ultrasonic things scam. You're very much a scam. All right, excellent. Thank you, sir.
4: I appreciate it. That's an exterminator. All right, here's Tim Riley. So here's a traffic alert for drivers in southeast. A new red light camera is up and running at southeast Washington at 103rd. It's one of several in the Portland area. Beaverton and Salem also use these cams. Now, if you get caught on this new camera, you get warnings for the first two weeks. Is that true? Because,
0: you know, I got hit by one of those cameras a while back, and I never nothing ever come of it. Uh, I never, uh, like I never, and I know for a fact, I mean, maybe Can they couldn't a picture. Yeah, because I, I drove through the light. I was on my way to pick up my uh, wife at the airport. I think that's the deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to so anyway, I was on like MLK or Grand or whatever, drove through the light, bam, and there was a the flash. And it wasn't from a billboard in front of the car. It was very clearly a flash from the light. So maybe it's possible that uh, that they couldn't identify my uh, my driver's license or something. That's possible. Is it two hundred forty-five dollar fine though? Jesus. Yeah. Let's. Well, it, and that was. It was. I don't know. Probably six weeks ago, and I, and I never heard anything. So. Oh,
1: right. it's still could be coming. I guess Sometimes it takes a little while. All right. Here's Tim Riley.
4: Uh, so there are varying sources saying that the Van Halen tour is falling apart. Oh, I totally. Re- I saw that on TMZ.
0: They said that Eddie has uh, apparently been staggering around on stage and sort of playing he says badly. Here he has issues. Uh huh. What in quotation marks? Really? Is that because he's drinking?
4: you suppose i'm not sure what personal problems these could be uh does it
0: apparently there was some i saw a little bit of video footage from uh february 20th which is a couple of weeks ago of them but it's always jump that's what's funny about this every time there's some huge colossal f-up uh with van halen on this tour which by the way i predicted would not make it all the way through i i absolutely i said this at the very outset that there's no way the tour would go all the way to the end so it's always Jump that people put on the net to highlight the mistakes. Like the, when that, there was that time when the sampler, the, the they or the, the the thing that was playing back the keyboard line for Jump was the sampling encoding rate was wrong and it sounded all terrible. There's that. And then there's footage from the 20th of February where Eddie is just sort of he's just sort of like limping around the stage, playing really, really badly. I mean, like I'm you know I'm no Segovia or another, but he's playing terrible. And at certain points. He would just quit playing. This is so great because Roth is out there, of course, being Roth, you know, giving it it all he can, playing every show like he's at Caesar's Palace. And then Eddie Van Halen at certain points would start to play something and then either not be able to do it or forget what he was supposed to do. And then he would kind of look at the crowd. He would take his hand. He would just flat out quit playing, and he would kind of throw his hands up in the universal, like, what are you going to do, kind of gesture, and then just sort of, you know, and then just sort of walk around doing nothing. So – well, there's something going on with Eddie Van Halen?
4: Uh, apparently, the original bassist Michael Anthony was replaced with Eddie's 16-year-old son Wolfgang. Van Halen postponed two shows last week without any reason given. Reps with the group have yet to comment. Van Halen is currently scheduled to be on the road through late April. Not going to happen. So we'll see. Time for a Snuff Watch.
0: Here's your uh, Snuff Watch for uh, Monday on the Rick Emerson Radio Programme.
4: Chicago ad executive Paul Tilly dies of an apparent suicide. He was 40. What does that mean to you? Who is this person?
0: <laughs> <laughs> the great thing about this show is we often learn the news only moments before we say it aloud for everyone.
4: Well, he was the managing director of Creative at advertising
0: giant DDB. Can I? Can I just? Can we back up for a second? Here's a great thing about this story. Uh, there's. A, I read a great joke about. This sounds horrible. About this guy's suicide. I, <laughs> Oh boy! No, what are you gonna do? It was funny. I, there's, I really, I lol'd. I there was a really, really funny joke that I saw about this guy's death that I will not attempt to take credit for. And I don't know who was. It was some some anonymous dude on a message board somewhere. But I I, I want to make sure my conscience is clear about this. Uh, I I don't want this to be passed off as my joke. I I wish I had thought of this, uh, but I didn't. So let's kind of take this story here from the beginning, and I'll insert the joke at the appropriate time.
4: Top Chicago ad executive Paul Tilley, who's 40, dies of an apparent suicide. He was a managing director of created art agency DDB. He died Friday after jumping from the upper floors of the Fairmont Chicago Hotel, and his death is ruled a suicide. I guess that wouldn't be true, wouldn't it? As the top creative executive at the advertising agency Chicago offers, Paul Tilley oversaw commercials and campaigns for clients such as Budweiser and McDonald's. Uh, he was the managing director of creative at DVB in September 2006. Nine years after he joined the shop, over those years, he laid creative teams to come up with Dell's uh, Dude, You're Getting Adele, a Dell campaign and McDonald's, I'm Loving It.
0: Dude, You're Getting a Closed Casket Funeral. I'm Loving It. <laughs> See, that's funny. You didn't want to laugh, but you did, Sarah. I My, smiled. It's, I can't take credit for that. Some guy on the, on the internet said that.
4: Dude, you're going to hell.
0: <laughs> Dude, your family's getting a shrink. Oh, Jesus.
4: Alright. Uh, life is complicated, he said, and he was a complicated man, said Mr. Tilly's wife. He grew up in Texas. He studied journalism and he played the guitar.
0: Does he not look like the whitest guy on earth, though? He does. Do you're going how unbelievably white that man is. Yep. So uh, anyway, so there you go, uh, dude. You're dead. There's your Cuz Also, I
5: could
0: make that one joke. It wasn't even mine.
4: Here's Tim Riley. A judge has just ordered the former owner of a chartered jet company to pay attorney Mark Gregos and his an associate lawyer $2.25 million for secretly taping them and Michael Jackson aboard a chartered plane as he was en route from Vegas to Santa Barbara to surrender to child molestation charges in November of 2003. You remember that? That came out a long, long time That's ago. That's five years ago that Jackson got acquitted? Yep. Jesus. It like Trey Arrow was up on the balcony eight years ago. Boy, did you see that? Did you see how weird his kids look? Did you
0: see that photo that came out a couple weeks ago of Jackson? I think he was in Vegas or someplace. Uh, but he, uh, you know, it's kind of a lose-lose for Michael Jackson because there's no way for him to be anonymous. It, it, you know, if he walks around with his weird blotchy Joker face, then everybody spots him because there's no one on earth who looks like that except him. And if he tries to hide himself, you can spot him as well because it, it, you know if you if you see if you if you see a guy with like huge sunglasses and like little alien nose slits. Uh, and like a surgical mask, there's just no getting around the fact that that's Michael Jackson. There's there is there's really effectively nothing Michael Jackson can do to go out in public and not be recognized at this point. So the kids might have gone unnoticed, uh, gone unnoticed if it hadn't been for the fact that Jackson was there. But it was the kids for the first time without their, whatever those, the veils. Because remember, the longest time Jackson wouldn't let his kids' uh, faces be seen. Like his kids were all swaddled up in, in they him. They
1: still are, for the most part. Yeah,
0: but they. But there was a shot of him walking down the street in Vegas the other day with his, I guess, two kids. He was holding mm-hmm. the third one, the the dangly one. He was holding the third one, but the two kids were walking along, faces completely uncovered. It was just like uh, they were just like hoodies and jeans and whatever. Boy, they're weird looking. Yeah. I mean, they're completely weird looking, which is strange because they're clearly, my opinion, they don't look like they're his kids at all. Obviously, they're. I mean. You know, it's that Debbie Rowe uh, woman, and then and then uh, who, whoever's seed. Uh, so I I don't know who who they might resemble in the daddy department, but they really are tremendously odd looking. I mean, there's just something really weird about that. So oh by the way, speaking of airplanes, you just have this airplane story. Yeah. Couple things. A I the greatest thing happened to me this weekend. This is my life is made up of small victories and petty triumphs. I had the greatest thing happen to me. This has never happened to me before in my life. It'll probably never happen again. So Lara got back from Provo on Saturday. I go to the airport to pay. and first of all, I don't know what this Let me ask you this right now. If you're going somewhere for let's just say 3 days, 3 day trip, you're going to be gone bam, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you come back Saturday morning. Do you think all things being equal, you could get everything you need in one carry-on bag? So you, or however many you have, so you don't have any ch- That's see, the way I do it. That's what that's I'm how saying. I do it. Okay, do you you don't check nev- luggage and you absolutely check okay. Okay. Oh, i would never do that Thank anyway. Thank you
1: so much. No, no, no. I
0: appreciate that. Because I was made to feel Saturday like it was so, like I am some sort of freak for never. I cannot. No, when you. I went
1: to New York for nine days, I made sure I'll, I'll just bring what I need. I'll bring what fits into one bag that I can carry with me.
0: You that okay? See, you're singing my song. That is exactly the way I am because I went to pick her up and she was only. Imp- I mean, look, I'm, I love my wife and all, but she just does things that puzzle me, because she was only there for three days. And I pick her up at the airport. I'm like, okay, let's go. We're parked in five A. If we get out right now, I can get two dollars off parking. And she's like, no, no, no we got to go pick up my luggage. I'm like, pick up one, pick up your luggage. It's one luggage. She goes, well, I had that big suitcase that I checked. Why would you possibly? I don't mean to make it sound like I'm another guy talking about it, women and how much they pack. Because it's not just women. Uh, I've known guys that do this too. Where you're going somewhere for two days, and they got to check their luggage. First of all, like I trust the trained apes at the airport to touch my possessions no in any way. way. Uh, especially now that the odds are like one in three that everything you check is going to be open and sometimes going to be sniffing your underwear. So that's, and plus, then you just go down there and it's the endless, tedious way to get your luggage back. Me, I'm like you guys. I get on the plane, I get off the plane. As soon as I'm off the plane, I am to my car. I am headed out of the airport. So we have to go down and we have to pick up the luggage. But this great thing happened and it's the only time in my life, so I savored it, her bag was the first one out of the chute. We go down to the luggage collection place. Her bag was the absolute first suitcase that came out of that weird, curtainy thing at the end. Because mm-hmm. we're sitting here, we're like, all right, here we go. Here's the nine-hour wait to get our luggage. First bag out was hers. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, but it was awesome, but at the same time, it was a little sad because you know it'll never happen again. Like you know, it was it was a once in a lifetime kind of thing. It was really was all the planets. It was like finding a Picasso behind a couch. You just uh, you knew that it was you were never going to recreate that. But while I'm waiting for her to get the plane, I stopped off at the coffee people and I was served by a transvestite, and which is fine. It's a big, it's a big, uh, it's a big city. It's a big, uh, big tent. We're all inclusive here. So and it wasn't it wasn't like. Um, uh like a transgendered person I don't believe I do believe it was just a man uh, uh you know dressed as a woman and I started thinking about how difficult it must be to be a male to female uh, transvestite. In other words, not under the knife, but just someone who lives his daily life dressed as a woman. You know, because not only you have the discrimination to deal with, you know, people giving you guff and staring at you and moms pulling their kids away from, you know, so, that you're, so they're not corrupted by your vileness or whatever. But here's the thing is I had to pick Lara up at five o'clock and I don't know how this guy looked when he got to work that morning, but he had like the full-on five o'clock shadow. And that's a thing that I never really thought about. If you're a if you're a male to female transvestite, the whole shaving issue must be a huge pain because yeah. you could look absolutely fabulous leaving the house, but by the time like three, four, five comes around, you, you got that full-on Homer Simpson shadow beard going on. Really, there's no makeup that's going to cover that up. You're going to look hideous by the time five o'clock comes around. There's just no escaping that fact. So, there, it for the grace of God. All right, here's Tim Riley.
4: Well, apparently there was another go uh, kart race downtown. About a thousand costume racers overran downtown early the, uh, over the weekend. It was the seventh annual Urban Iditarod, but there were no dogs involved. You see, the difference is the fact that Portland forbids actual dogs to be raced. Instead, they harnessed themselves to their sleds built from shopping carts. Uh, it was they had to contend with quite a bit of traffic too. At least uh, one participant, happy to finish, uh, ran across the Hawthorne Bridge and was hit by a car. <laughs> what? Okay, so. Don't run across the bridge. Why don't we
0: just say that? That should be the uh, that is the advice we'll take from today. Did you get the uh, glutton quiz?
4: I did not. I looked for it. I didn't find it. I sent it to your non-CBS mail. Non-CBS mail. Well, let me look again. All right. Or I could amuse you with this thing of Orson Welles
0: recording a commercial for frozen peas. Oh, I'd like to hear that. Would you rather hear that? Yes. All right. And I'll I'll look for this
4: thing while you're doing that.
0: I've got to, I've got two things, Tim. I'll let this be. Uh... We'll let this be uh, your choice here. I've got either uh, Orson Welles uh, recording, uh, badly I might add, a commercial for Frozen Peas, or I've got a demo reel by someone that you probably grew up listening to. Who, what would you, what would you prefer? Well, we can get to them both. both. Okay. Which would you rather hear right now? Would you rather hear uh, Orson Welles or the demo tape? Demo tape. All right. Uh, so here's, uh, let's see here. Then I'm going to do this. I'm going to pot it down at the very beginning so you don't... Know who it is. We'll see if you can spot this. Uh, Sarah, is my computer up? Mm -hmm. Okay, good. I'm going to to play a little bit of this, play the beginning in cue. The rain
8: drawn up from the sea and showered down upon the western mountains. Nine fog and mist and a thousand million dewdrops falling, falling, falling. You will watch man pit his courage against the cunning of man-eating tigers, killer whales, and deadly birds of prey. Shell no pest Drips helps protect your family from flies and mosquitoes up to four full months. Gowns from Paris, You know what it is? Lords mm-hmm. from London. Oh. The kings and queens of Hollywood. If anybody knows what Ella Fitzgerald sounds like, it's her old friend Count Basie. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Carnegie Hall. Well, we are You've heard this
0: guy do five
8: million things. Tonight, summer 1946, one Atlas battery starts ten cars. Another full speed car, some battery power alone. I should know Because everybody yeah. knows nutty peanuts make great-tasting peanut butter. If you have no objection to dining in a rather more important box car. Please join us for dinner tonight. 1955, all over America, leftover lunch meat goes stale. 1965, lunch meat is still hard to keep fresh once it's open. i heard a million times. Can't think
4: of his name. Give up. Yeah.
0: Brought right. to you by... This is Paul Frees. Oh. And right. you, uh, Paul Frees. It's hard. I, I was looking at the list, and he's one of those guys that was a sort of a famous uh voiceover uh mm-hmm. worker and you you sort of forget exactly how many things he's done. First of all, he was Boris bad Enough. Mm-hmm. Um let's see. What else? let me just read this. So this is um uh, let's see he was on uh, all kinds of Disney stuff. He did uh, voiceovers for the uh Disneyland's uh Disney Walt Disney Wonderful World of Disney. Um he was the voice of the ghost host at the Haunted Mansion. Like mm-hmm. if you go on the Haunted Mansion right at Disneyland that watch out for hitchhiking ghosts, that's that guy. Um, he is the uh, auctioneer in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Uh, let's see, he was voiceover in uh, the Shaggy Dog. He was um, uh, he was Boris Badenov. Uh, he was ape in George of the Jungle. He was the in uh, he was the Burgermeister in Santa Claus is Coming to Town. The Rankin Bass thing. He was the traffic cop, the ticket taker, and Santa Claus in Frosty the Snowman. He was uh, Rudolph's Shiny New Year. He was in The Last Unicorn, The Hobbit and Return of the King Rankin Bass animated special. He was all over that. He did the voiceover in The Adventures of Tintin. He did Mr. Magoo. He was on that show. Um, He was the voice of the Pillsbury Doughboy. That guy that, (laughs) that's him. Um, Let's see. He was the voice of Toucan Sam. He was the voice of the Little Green Sprouts in the the Jolly Green Giant commercial. I mean, who does this? I mean there's like 5 million uh, voices this guy has done. He was uh all over. He did all this, he was on Spike Jones's early recordings and he actually uh filled in for Orson Welles. So when Orson Welles couldn't be bothered to show up to do like ADR, they would get this guy to do it. He was death in Woody Allen's Love and Death. He was in Earth versus the Flying Saucers. He was on Stan Freeberg's um History uh History of the United States uh, part 1. And then of course, uh, nerds of my generation will know him not only from being at the Disneyland Haunted uh, Castle ride, but he was also the voice of uh, Carr, which was Kit's uh, arch-enemy on Knight Rider. So there was Kit, who was the Knight Industries 2000, and then there was Carr, which was the uh, night automated roving robot. That, also voiced by Paul Fries. But uh, we had a guy upstairs give that to me. He uh, came across that in his archive somewhere. And it was just one of those weird uh, demo reels you get uh, from a guy that has just voiced nine million things. Now... That's interesting. It's not nearly as funny as this, though. So this is from the same guy. This is Orson Welles. And I do believe that this is Orson Welles toward the end of his career. And this is Orson Welles doing voiceover for, I do believe, a frozen pea commercial. So it's uh, it's for, you know, the fresh farms, frozen peas or whatever. I think that's what this is for. But listen to Orson Welles. I mean, this is way toward the end of his life. Listen to how Orson Welles completely and totally takes no direction from anybody and absolutely doesn't want to be told how to read this copy in any way. So here is a director who's like, I think, some French guy, and he's trying to get Orson Welles to read this copy correctly. And Orson Welles' whole response is just to criticize the grammar and the language that the copy uses.
3: We know a remote farm in Lincolnshire where Mrs. Buckley lives. Every July, Peas grow there. Do you really mean that? I, yeah, so in other words, I'd start half a second later. Don't you think you really want to say July over the snow? Isn't that the fun of it? It's it, If you can, you can make it almost when that shot disappears, it'll make my... I think worse. it's so nice that, that you see a snow-covered field and say every July, peas grow there. We know a remote farm in Lincolnshire where Mrs. Buckley lives. Every July, peas grow there. We aren't even in the fields, you see. Yeah. We're talking about him growing, and she's picked him. Yeah. <coughs> what? In July. <laughs> I don't understand you, then. When must... What must be over for July? Um, when we get out of that snowy field. When I was out, we were onto a can of peas, a big dish of peas, when I said in July. Oh, I'm sorry. Mr. Yes, always. July, I'm always past that.
7: You are.
3: Yes. Well, that's about where I say in July.
7: Do <laughs> You emphasize a bit in.
3: In July. Why? That doesn't make any sense.
0: The Greatest film directors right. of all time.
3: There's no known way of saying an English sentence in which you begin a sentence with in and emphasize it. Get me a jury and show me how you can say in July and I'll that's just idiotic if you'll forgive me if I say that's just stupid. In July. I'd love to know how you emphasize in and in July. Impossible. <laughs> meaningless. I think all they were thinking about was that they didn't want to He isn't thinking. Wilson, can we just do one last? Yeah. thing? Yeah. It was my fault. I said, I said in July. If you can leave every July. This guy shouldn't say it. He said it. Your friend, every July. So after the show, no, you don't really mean every July. It is. That's but that's party. the best yeah. bad copy. It's in July. Of course, it's every, every July. It's too much directing around here. <laughs> Norway, fish fingers, no Norway. We know a certain fjord in Norway.
0: So, That's me. I missed one of those. Yeah, roll
3: it around and I have no more time. <laughs> you don't know what I'm up against. Because it's full of, of, of things that are only correct because they're grammatical, but they're tough on the ear. You see, this is a very wearying one. It's unpleasant to read. Unrewarding. Because Findus freeze the card at sea and then add a crumb crisp, cool crumb crisp coating. Ah, oh, that's tough, crumb crisp coating. I think no, because of the way it's written, you need to break it up because it's not it's not as conversationally written. What? Take crumb. Out. Take crumb out. Good. Here under protest is beef burger. We know a little place in the American Far West where Charlie Briggs chops up the finest prairie fed beef and tastes. This is a lot of shit you know that. <laughs> <laughs> you want one more? You more have on what beer? First, uh, you, you missed the first beep, actually, completely. What do you mean you're emphasizing very fair, But you can't emphasize beef. That's like his wanting me to emphasize in before July. <laughs> Come on, fellas, you're losing your heads. I wouldn't direct any living actor like this in Shakespeare. <laughs> Will you do this? It's impossible. Also, we did six last year, and by far and away the best, and I know the, the reason. The right reading for this is the one I'm giving it. <laughs> At the moment. I spent 20 times more for you people than any other commercial I've ever made. Such pests.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, how great is that? That's terrific. And you know, the, so that's Orson Welles doing a thing for peas. <laughs> and the best part about that is that you can tell at every moment he is just a second away from saying, "I made Citizen Kane." Like that's that is the implicit uh, subtext to all of his complaints. And he, to his credit, he never comes out and puts it that way. But when he says, I would never direct any living actor this way. This doesn't make any sense. You can tell that I made third man. That's just, it's, it's just on the tip of his tongue constantly. So there you go. So there's that. Um, I have one with uh, Colonel Sanders that isn't nearly as funny. The one with Colonel Sanders, it's just that he's senile and can't remember any of the copy. And everything he says just sounds like Hilbertly gibberish anyway. The Colonel Sanders one. Everything he says just sounds like cotton Hank Hill's dad on King of the Hill, King of the Hill, where it's like,
4: hi hey, there, Hank, and Hank's wife.
0: It, everything he says is like that. But there's so there's that one, and then uh, we still have one of Paul Anka going crazy backstage. Oh, oh I haven't God. heard that one yet. Yeah. Hey, it's great, man. It took me forever to clean that Paul Anka one up. Because he just just swears like an MF or just constantly through the whole thing. So we'll get to that. Um coming up later on, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian uh, and we uh, have the Top 5 Shell Silverstein poems of all time, plus more from Tim Riley, etc. Let us break here. Uh, back after this, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't know where. I yeah, I said he hook you up with that. I'm running to him right now. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program still to come today. I think we're tracking down Peter Carlin. I forgot he's on sabbatical for like nine years to finish that McCartney book. Anyways, we'll find him, talk about last night's The Wire. Uh, only two episodes left. Well, one episode left. There's last night's and then one more. So there's last night's Wire and then uh, coming up this coming Sunday, uh, the Wire series finale. Last episode ever. Uh, so we'll talk to Peter Carlin about that. Uh, we got uh, the top five coming up. Top five, Shell Silverstein. Silverstein. Poems uh, of all time, and uh, we have another. We have another snuff watch. I failed to do a snuff. I pulled it, and then I didn't put it in front of me. And because I'm uh, essentially just a, uh, I'm really just a, uh, just a chimp with a microphone. So because it wasn't in front of me, I forgot to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, here's some more news with Tim Riley. And now from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim
8: Riley. And. Then,
4: his mother, a warning potential customers of a Hillsboro hair salon after they said a the stylist dug her fingernails into the boy's head. Devin Grosser and his mom said they went to Great Clips in the Hillsboro Promenade Shopping Center for a haircut. He was a regular at the salon, so he sat down with a stylist he never saw before. Apparently, the hair stylist became upset with him from moving around in the chair, as youngsters will do. He said the stylist dug her fingernails into his head pulled out a fistful of hair, and shook his head around. I don't think it's possible to
0: pull out a fistful of hair. That Kills seems a... like an overstatement of the situation. She
4: then allegedly whispered into his ear, telling him he'd better sit still, or else.
0: <laughs> okay, that's kind of creepy, though.
4: <laughs> I love the idea of the hair, and I'll kill you. I'll drink your blood. So, uh, these are just allegations. Well, of right. course. Uh, and children will misbehave, and these people put up a lot with a lot.
0: It's true. Well, imagine, I was thinking about, about uh, hair cutting the other day, and... It's odd, like when you and I'm not talking about like some really upscale salon. I mean, you go to a place like some like Bishop's or someplace. It's interesting to think that like someone there is really like their their calling is to cut hair. I'm not saying that there is. I mean, there, clearly there are people and that's their deal and it's with you. But you don't really think about that being someone's dream. What is your dream? My dream is to cut hair. I mean, that it, it must be because I can't imagine you get into it for the money. Uh, and it does seem like that you have to get you have to be licensed to do that, right? And, some, and at
4: these franchises, I think they have to bring in so many people, otherwise it's out the door, because in a lot of these franchises, you go in, there are different people all the time. Well, that's my thing. Is, is it going to a is it? So is it like...
0: Uh, I mean, it, 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 it seems like bishops, again, single, but Not they single, them out, but it does seem like there's a huge turnover there. I mean, there's the guy... Really, at the bishops I go to, there's the guy who works the front desk that I see every time, but other than that... Uh, every time it's different, I mean, and I you know I get my hair cut like once a month, basically, and it's a constantly refreshed stream of people yeah it, it really the turnover there must just be immense
4: well it's like when they it's you know these are brand new people every time you go in and they say, well, I'll see you in another month, no, you won't, and here's not the, if I come in here
0: <laughs> here's the other thing I think about I think about um a place like bishops, which is uh, yeah, that is where I typically go then a plug is just where I go to get my haircut and i uh, they you know they do a good job most of the time so there's that and then there's um let <coughs> pardon me let's take another place let's take bishops versus say um i don't know a place where they uh i'm trying not to i'm trying not to say it by name um you know where I'm talking you know the place i'm talking about the the uh, it's a three syllable name it's a generic haircutting place where the cuts are, uh, where the haircuts are, are great. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where they're great, they're wonderful. Mm-hmm. They're super. Mm-hmm. They're neat. So everybody says, "Well, look, I would never go to that place to get my haircut." In fact, my my wife actually, a while back, she was running late. She had to get her haircut before she went. She was getting a picture taken or something, and so she stopped in at a uh, a, uh, a place where the the cuts are super. A yes, exactly. At that place, and she was really unhappy with the haircut. And I said, well, where did you get it done? She goes, at the at mm-mm cuts. And I said, well, well, of course. Like, of course you're not happy with it. <laughs> of course you think it's not any good. And she said, well, it's what I get for going to mm-mm cuts. And I, th- I started thinking about that, and I thought, well, is that really true, or is that just a thing that we sort of project? Like, do well, we no, just
1: it, everything's image. I mean, like, I think like the place like Bishops projects itself to be like a hip.
0: I'm going to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bleep the name of the business, because I don't mean to be singling them out, because, again, my thing is, is it a bum rap? Uh, when you think about the, let's say, the budget haircut place, is that really, is there any difference in the actual haircut that you're getting? I mean, is it, is, is, am I really, am I really a fool for not going there? Should I be going there because it is cheaper? These are the things that I sort of, that I sort of wonder about. I guess I'm alone. Here's Tim Riley.
4: Well, it's always good that you're wondering
0: about. Yeah. Why well,
1: I don't I mean? I get... I don't know how the whole system works. I don't know if, like, you have to have certain credentials in order to work at, like.
0: Well, that's my thing. And do they test you? Like when you go to. I uh, think you're uh, tested. How do they? I mean, do they? How do they test you before they hire you at some haircut? They bring in some some poor slob off the street and he asks for something tricky and they see whether or not you can do it. I mean, I know this sounds like a weird conversation, but I really do wonder. I'm
1: pretty interested in that too. Like, if, if a person who works at an upscale place.
0: Am I paying double basically for no reason? And how do they assess this? Here's another thing. How do they assess who is a good hair cutter and who isn't? And I guess it's more than cutting, it's styling. But it seems like there's really no way to to, to check on that unless you're sort of, you know, use a live ammunition. In other words, like they they can't just give you like a mannequin head or something and have you trim that. So that's a sort of a thing that I always wonder about, about whether there is just a perceived difference. Between a place that charges you forty bucks and a place that charges you like you know twelve ninety nine, these are all. But again, there's really no way to figure that out. It's a thing that I can't really.
1: Well, maybe that somebody a hairstylist will call. It's
0: entirely possible. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hello. Hi.
1: Hey, well, you know, you're asking
9: for a hairstylist. Yes. I work for a Great Clips franchisee.
0: All right, so you work for a uh, you work for a chain. I do. Okay, so now, do you find that, uh, and we're not trying to uh, pick out one particular chain, but do you find that you uh, you have uh, maybe you fight against uh, some sort of an image or a perception uh, of your, you know, the quality or the 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 the, of your haircuts?
9: Um, Because I don't give people ear, and uh, (laughs) I listen
0: to the snarkiness.
9: No, something about hairdressers and alcohol in the same area makes me a little nervous.
0: <laughs> um, so, how do, when you apply to get a job cutting hair somewhere, do they test yeah. you?
9: Um, actually, you have to go through, uh, for just for hair, you have to actually go to school for a year for it and then take a technical test and then you drive to Salem and do a written test.
0: What kind of a written test? I'm not trying to minimize the importance of it, but what kind of a written test would you need to cut hair?
9: uh, Well, there is a safety and sanitation.
0: Oh, is this like a? uh, Is this where they teach you to put your combs in that big uh, that big tank of blue stuff?
9: (laughs) Yes, it's called quaternary ammonia. Really? Yes.
0: Okay. So is there in your assessment is there any difference and let's not let's not pick on bishops because there's a lot of places sort of like that not just the sort of oh, rock no, no, and roll no. kind there's
9: lots of other places that serve beer, wine, cheese, popcorn but i mean if i pay
0: in your assessment if i pay 15.99 for a haircut at one place and i pay 45 bucks at another place is there any difference in the haircut
9: well, the only difference that I can think of is that you get a shampoo with it.
0: But, I mean, in terms of the actual... In other words, I'm not getting a different uh, level of stylist, am I? No. All right. So, re- so, really, I'm just being hosed. That's really what you're saying?
9: Well, uh, it, it depends. There are, other, there are other parts of the stylist you have to take into consideration. Such as? There is the personality... Some people have a real knack for hair, and some people really
0: don't. Yeah, personality. It, it really, if I could give like an extra two fifty surcharge at the beginning for them not to speak to me, that'd be the oh, best thing ever. Oh, that would be great. I. If sometimes
1: I. Sometimes I don't mind it, but other times I'm just like,
4: oh, I just want to get this over with. If, if
0: I ran a haircutting place, I would absolutely advertise like we will not nag you about your day or ask you what you've got planned for later in the afternoon.
4: Oh, the hair that keeps calling me Tom, and that, even at the end, <laughs> as he hands me back my ATM card, says, that "Thank you, Tim Tom. On it. Yeah, thank yeah. you, Tom. Thanks,
0: Bob. I appreciate <laughs> it." Yeah,
4: I uh, so and and especially
0: because when I get the woman on, and you always try to. I've actually gone so far as to claim that I have laryngitis. I'm sorry, I've lost my voice. I can't really talk today. Uh, but oh, they'll you ask, have
9: to lie to us. Is she just like I really don't want to make small talk. Then,
0: yeah, but then we'll shut up. But then you look like a jerk, and then I'm and and then I feel like I'm being an ass to a woman who has shears near my head. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then she's gonna carve, like, is she's going to carve like letters nice into the way, back of my head and not is tell a nice me?
9: Nice way to say it,
0: I suppose. Uh, but I always say something like. So, how's your day? Eh, That's fine. You know, and I'm trying to find an answer that just completely blunts the conversation so it doesn't continue any further. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. There you go. She sounded kind of passively hostile about the whole Mm -hmm. thing. Uh, Let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? It's you. It's me? Yes, it is. Hi. Okay. Hello. What's up?
7: (laughs) Actually, I manage a great clip salon. and And how's that
0: working out for you yes and so what what is your maybe this is an ill-advised topic and so uh but what are your what are your thoughts on this did you concur with the last woman that there's really no difference
7: there really is a difference either with hair you can cut hair you can't cut hair we all get the same kind of training through beauty school and
9: when i hire them i
7: actually have them bring in bring in a model and watch them cut hair
0: now when you say a model like a live, do they train on a live person
7: In beauty school, we use mannequins and then get onto the junior or senior floor, and we have actual customers. That was actually going to be my
0: next question. If it's like a massage school where there's just some sap that comes in and pays you like $4, but with the understanding that the the, the person cutting his hair might not know what the hell they're doing quite yet.
7: Yeah, and they might take a long time, too. Excellent. All right. Thank you. Uh All right, there you go.
0: (sighs) Maybe this isn't as interesting as I thought it would be. I thought I was going to get to the bottom of it, but somehow I feel like... I feel like I'm about five minutes. I feel minutes... like I'm sitting in the barbershop yeah. waiting for my turn. I'm about five minutes closer to death. And With I don't feel like. <laughs> <I'm sitting laughs> a Tim's over there reading highlights for children. And meanwhile, I don't feel like I've really learned anything. I feel like we I have no knowledge things about things this.
1: Every Jesus. And you know what? Just more and more angry stylists are going to keep. Seriously, coming.
0: doesn't it sound. Don't they both sound like they were. Like there's a little snippy. I'm sure they're fine people. But it sounds like there's a little snippiness the haircutters going on are snippy. Oh, I'm sorry. I, that I re- that was unintentional. I didn't mean that. I'm sorry, Tim and Sarah and everybody. Let's do one more, and then we'll with this this next call. Will be the will be the barometer of whether we proceed with this at all. So unless this next call is great, Jesus, there's like a hundred people calling you about. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show.
2: Hey, Rick. Um, the the last two callers I think were kind of wrong. Um,
0: there we go. That's what I like. Disagreement. If, go ahead.
2: If you're working at a place that charges 15 bucks a haircut, um. I mean, there's a big difference between a $15 haircut and you go someplace and get a $35 haircut. Generally, people have to work in the industry a bit, get a little more experience with their belt, go into the portfolio and, and to be able to prove themselves to be able to charge that kind of money.
0: This is a good – okay, this is a good point. So you're saying if I go to a place that gives, let's call them budget haircuts, you are saying that uh, that they will by definition be able to pay their employees less – and well, so yeah. because they're paying the employees less, maybe they're getting folks that don't have enough experience or have not, don't have as much experience. New
2: people go to build a clientele or build up their skills. Because when you graduate from school, um, you really, I mean, you know the basics. And there's some pretty good people that come fresh out of school, but you've got a lot to learn. So they'll go, they'll look, a lot of people right. look for um, apprenticeships at high-end places. And so you get sort
0: of a, you know, and so there are sort of entry-level jobs. Then All right, that does yeah. make sense. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right, you. All right, there you go. That was an interesting call, but we're not going to continue. I think we. I'm going to make this. Is, we've gone down a real blind alley with this whole conversation. All right. Hi, Tim. How are you doing over there?
4: Oh, I'm fine. Wake
0: up. <laughs> it's my turn. <laughs> well, that's one of those things that's always bugged me, but I now realize that. Wow, it's just like I don't
4: know if I want to buy any product.
0: <laughs> it's like it's like just it's like just w- walking into a wool sweater. That whole thing, I just. Suddenly, it was just all fatiguing and scratchy. All right, here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth.
4: Well, Velveeta rocker Scott uh, Velveeta revolver rocker Scott Whalen has left rehab. An attorney for the former Stone Temple Pilot. <laughs> you don't understand any of this. No, but he apparently this guy's been in rehab 26 days. You know the last quote, doing well.
0: Can I tell you that the last time uh, they were in town, mm. uh, I did run into him at a bar. So I'm just saying. That's a fact, by the way. I'm not saying he was... I don't know what he was doing there. But I am saying the last time Velvet Revolver was in town, uh, I happened to be out of the bar, and they're sitting right at the bar, uh, I, who I think uh, had just been out of rehab at that point, sitting at the bar, Scott Weiland. So...
4: So anyway, he allegedly crashed his car and failed a sobriety test in Southern California, San Fernando Valley. He was then charged with driving under the influence of drugs with a prior conviction and allegedly refusing a chemical test as required by law. His next court date is set for this Wednesday. He could get a maximum penalty of one year behind bars or a minimum of eight days. He was previously jailed on drug offenses in the 1990s. They're investigating reports that Nazi flags are being flown in the Tigrid area. they received three calls over the past few days from people who spotted Nazi flags. The first one uh, took place, and one of the flags was flying over Highway 217 just south of 72nd. Then another came in. They said the flag was near Highway 217 and I-5. Perhaps there's more than one Nazi flag around. Then another report was made when a flag was spotted atop the Plaid pantry on Highway 99W.
0: <laughs> really? Coaster spotted in this story took down I the Nazi I don't know why flag. that's so funny. Just because it's surreal, it just doesn't make any <laughs> sense.
4: There's a Nazi flag flying over the Plaid pantry on Highway 99. The flags are usually hung with red balloons, allowing the flags to flap in the breeze. In addition to three tiger reports, a woman saw she saw swastikers and I five to Towalton. Okay, uh, this is the why in a plan pantry. Entry. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, why not? I, I, uh, <laughs> is there any store policy against such things? <laughs> I don't really know the answer to that.
0: All right, fantastic. Richie, we're going to move on from any more calls about hair. <laughs> of course, we've determined it's not all that interesting, but of course, now thousands of hair. people are calling about it. Oh, wait, somebody's calling about the Floby though. I want to take that. Hi, you're on the commercial <laughs> show sure about the Floby. Hello.
12: It's Jude. I still have my Floby in a really good vacuum and I promise not to talk.
0: Now is uh, now uh, okay. Are you offering to come in and buys us? Oh my gosh.
12: Well, I I guess I could. I was actually going to just bring it to you. And by uh, us, you mean you.
1: I don't want that (laughs) That thing through my head. The floby or. It beautiful to mess with. As
0: as, as Wayne and Garth called it, the the soft. My hair's super
1: tingly, and I know that it would all just, like, rip out. Uh, Oh,
0: the
12: floby will straighten it right out. Look, yeah. It sucks
0: it straight off. I'm like an have <laughs> to have your hair. <laughs> no, 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 Richie's offering it. No, I'm not going to have her flow be my beautiful hair. Uh, after <laughs> you worked so hard to get it back. <laughs> after, I worked, after I paid so much for it. Um... You have to have a really a
12: powerful suck on your vacuum cleaner, though, to make it work well.
0: Uh-huh. Oh, it attaches to your vacuum? Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought it came with its own... Me, okay. too. Wait, this is no, really interesting
12: this is, this is 25 years old. This this sucker attaches to your Kirby. It used to be your old Kirby.
0: I don't want anything... Okay, isn't a Kirby one of those vacuum cleaners that's powerful enough to pull, like, nails out of wood? It holds up a bowling ball, yeah. Okay, I don't want that thing near my head.
12: Well, the, the idea is you put the attachment on there, of course, and the, it sucks up your your hair so it's all one length, and then it cuts it all at the same level. Is that true? Of course it is. Flobies have been around forever. Google.
1: Okay, I thought a Flobie... I thought it was like its own like dustbuster kind of thing. Well, yeah. no, I'm sure that the later
12: models, there's probably later models that have their own little engine that could with them. But oh, you have, you're like
0: it. a Floby early adopter.
12: Yes. So, it was a Floby when it was forced on us as children. So, so this was instead of the
0: bowl. I thought that a <laughs> Floby was just regular hair cutting shears, but no. that near the blade it had like a little thing just to just to suck up the bits of hair.
12: Maybe that's Floby Jr.
0: Let's see. That's an advance. That's a Floby Deluxe with it, The original
12: with... Floby was a little plastic guy That had blades on the inside And when you turned on You put it on the end of your vacuum cleaner When you turned it on you put it over your head It has like a small little cap thing And it sucks your hair straight up So the blades cut it exactly at the idea. Well, wait.
0: If you brought this in, we would have to provide the vacuum cleaner, I guess.
12: Oh, and yeah, the thing is, it would have to be a really good old-fashioned one with a hose. A lot of them you can't find a good old-fashioned hose that uh,
0: sucks good. Hold on a second. Let's uh, let's find out. Richie's volunteering to do this. By Odeon. Pungent. Let's uh, now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show our intrepid PA Richie Bristol. Hello there. Hello. Yay. All right. Uh, so, uh, are you offering to have your hair flow-bized? Sure. <laughs> really? Yeah, okay. My, my hairdresser usually does it drunk. Now, do you our have? Or
1: Aaron any... the city's offering to as well. Really? Oh. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you have? Do you own a vacuum cleaner, Richie? Uh huh. Okay. So, uh, does it? What kind of vacuum cleaner does it have to be, Jude?
12: It just, um, it's just on the little metal end of the hose. It, it literally sticks on almost anything. As long as it's a good fucking hose part. And it can't be the plastic, it has to be the metal ones. So, You do know, you have, the attachments where you put the attachments on. I have two on.
0: different shop vacs. All right, so you have a shop vac. <laughs> so, do you think that would, a shop vac work?
12: Um, if the, if you'd have to adjust the nozzle i would think cuz that's as i recall shot vacs they have a wider mouth
0: well you know what as long as we have duct tape enough duct tape will well and make the thing it work.
12: is that it's an old enough thing there you go yeah All right, duct excellent. tape will Seal it any suction right. and do remember though that this is 25 years ago and nobody liked them back then richie and if you have any kind of curly hair action going on no it's
0: uh no it's a little it. feathery but that's about it oh my okay all right uh, excellent well do that you do that the same way you use an epa lady on him fantastic <laughs> um well if you want to drop that off or something that would be fantastic i know right where you are all right thank you jude you bet. all right, right excellent I... there you go wonderful
4: fantastic. fantastic
0: all right richie it's win-win here all right uh, let's do one more here and then we'll take a break and we'll uh try to get back here on time here's tim riley
4: uh, Canadian police are baffled as human feet are washing ashore. Uh, in
0: uh, see, here's the thing, sir. you got to start Dexter season two because you have no idea.
1: I, I'm so frustrated. Are, are you done with the first disc? No. Darn it.
4: Well, this time a severed human foot has been found in Canada's westernmost Gulf Islands, marking the third such discovery of feet in six months. Police are stumped. Uh, noting all three are the right foot, size 12, a male, and... The board has a sneaker on it? It's not known at this time. there's any relationship of all these severed feet that are washing ashore. Two previous cases, they are still under well, investigation. Well, don't you think they would almost have? To? I mean, they're yet to determine if foul play is involved
0: as opposed to someone who just tired of their feet mm-hmm. and tossed them uh, off a bridge.: For
4: kicks. Yes. There must be kicks. They must be I August 2006. When the first seven uh, foot in a white and blue sneaker was discovered uh, washing ashore. Oh, uh, all right. Authorities speculated it might have been lost in a boat propeller accident. <laughs> this was not a boat accident. Six days later, a second right foot in a black and white sneaker appeared nearby. Jesus. The most recent file was February 8th, when a third right foot washed up ashore on Baldus Island. A coroner is conducting tests on the feet. Well, okay. But so far, uh, there's been no match to missing persons.
0: Well, fantastic. <laughs> Uh, alright, uh, well, let's see here. Um, Jesus, do you think about, uh, Amy, do you see the story about Amy Winehouse?
1: Oh, what, is she back on the crack?
0: No, where it just says, uh, it just says, what's up with her face? Um, she's been diagnosed with a bacterial skin infection. Apparently, it's apparently covering her face with sores. Uh, so, did they
1: send you a picture too, or just? Uh, yeah, I'm right?
0: waiting. I'm waiting for it to load here. No. Uh, it's from. Uh, let's see. It looks like it's from Reuters. So I'll yeah, I'll try to find that and send that along. All right. Uh, well, let's take a break here. Uh, we come back. Uh, Peter Carlin later on the top five and uh, so forth. These The Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, we return after this. Don't go anywhere.
5: Well, God.
0: Thing. And this is all I'm gonna say, because otherwise then we're just dog people. The weird thing about dogs is they have some weird superpower with stuff like that. Because Max's whole thing is tearing paper towels into small pieces.
1: Okay, do you see that paper towel there? Muffet just did that.
0: Just shreds it. But it's like he does it faster than even I could. Like uh, the other night I had some, I had pizza or something, and so I, I think that's why he did it. But I, I kind of wiped my hands on a paper towel, crumpled it, put it on the coffee table. And then, like an idiot, I leave the room for a few minutes. Literally, I think 90 seconds, I was in the bathroom or something, come back out. The paper towel is not just torn, but scattered all over the and house. And com-
1: completely shredded into little pieces, Exactly. Right? And
0: almost like a chessboard. Like like one piece of paper towel every four inches, covering the entire... Well, I, don't even, I don't even think I could do that.
1: I don't understand how he could... Yeah, because I was telling you, Muppet, he ate an entire bowl of cereal, including all of the milk, in like... Literally, like, 30, 45 It's almost
0: impressive in some horrible way. Like, I want to get a security cam of some kind so I can see how he does. That's the thing is, I just want to know. It's like when you hear those stories about, like, uh, like, uh animal test monkeys or whatever, like at the primate house, how, like, they'll come, like they'll get out of their cages at night or whatever. Like, the, the people will come back to the primate lab and things have been rearranged. The monkeys are back in the cages, but you know that they got out somehow like during the, the night. That
1: could be video of the octopus who could climb out of a tank. Whole, exactly. Yeah. Like,
0: eating the fish across the lab. Oh, all right. Um, all right. It's 503-733-2970. We'll get some calls here in a moment. I think we're actually not going to have Peter, Carlin Richie because I don't have a cell number handy. It's upstairs somewhere, and he's at home, and he's doing the book thing. And we do want to have him on. At some point to talk wire, um, but uh, we might end up doing that tomorrow. So unless you have, I don't have it. Yeah, I have it upstairs, but it's not a big deal. We'll put it. it, But but, so speaking of phones, though, so we, so I did. I wrote down this observation. So if I can give a little bit of the background on this, sort of vaguely. So you were at a party. What is it? Saturday? When were you at the art party?
1: Uh, On Friday night.
0: So, so you're at the party on Friday. You meet a a guy who what he asked for now he asked for your was number, kind
1: of yeah, he asked me for my phone
0: number and how how was it was it sort of like so uh well he
1: was he was British and handsome and he was um no, like, we were just sitting there talking to him, and so he's like, "So, can I get your phone number? And I'm like, bing. and I can't, kind of, seriously, it, and we just talked for a few minutes, and I thought it was kind of random They just asking me for my phone. I'm like, really?
0: But don't guys do that? I that? guess they
1: do, but I feel like I, I didn't talk to him long enough, for because we were well, actually we we're going to leave, and so I think he was just like, okay, can I get your phone number? And right. so I gave it to him, and he's like, all right, if you get, you know, uh, if you get a number from, a, a call from a 616 number, just know that, you know, that's me. I'm like, right. oh, uh, whatever. So go now, on. Now, were you nice.
0: expecting to hear from him?
1: I guess I so, because really, you, you gave him the number. I didn't really give it much thought, um, but it was, it was one of those things like either I will or I won't. I so Just that's him Friday night. night. At a party, yeah.
0: And then when, how long until you then got a text message from him?
1: Let's see, text message.
0: So he got the number on Friday evening.
1: All right, so this was a Friday night. I got the text message at 1.41 in the afternoon on Saturday.
0: So about to, what, 12, 16 hours later, something like that. So you're not – because you have already told me the story off of the air, so you're not putting quite the – you're not putting quite the punch behind it, but I think actually the way you phrased it earlier on today during a commercial break was... And I got an effing text message from him. <laughs> a text message. I you, said eff- so,
1: you know what? And don't don't allude to the fact that you're like, oh, well, if you get a phone call from it... And then I get a text message saying, thanks for coming to the show. I said it was really great to meet you. Like, not even an open-ended one. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with the text message? What am I supposed to so do with So the this?
0: text message irritates you. Why? Well... <sighs> It's not just with guys that you're sort of interested in either because uh, because I know at one point, and I think you'd had a few, but at one point you and I were having some conversation and we were we were making plans to do something the next day. I forget. We were going to meet somewhere. And you're like, well, where should we meet tomorrow? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, I'll, I'll text you and we'll figure it out. You're, and you actually looked at me. I think you did actually have a drink in your hand because you looked at me uh, all like blue, and You go, sweetie, I don't do text messages. Just call me. <laughs> like So I know that text messages kind of bug you okay, in general. Well, I was
1: just, okay, so anyway, I went... So I went on a few dates with this um, gentleman caller a little while back. Yes. And for some reason, he would never call me. He would just text message plants. It was so frustrating. It, be, it got to the point of annoying where he would just, like, write me around texts text. I was just like, oh, it's a nice day out outside. I'm like. Really? You're text messaging that, and I'm like, yeah, it sure is. And then he'll just, it continued, and so I eventually just stopped writing. I'm like, it seems I'm not like gonna... you're
0: disproportionately angry about it. Do you dislike text messages? Because... I feel like
1: it's a cop out. You know what? I, I I met this, you know, this handsome fellow who's like, who text messages me and doesn't I'm like, what am I supposed to do with the text message? I wrote like, it was Respond. nice to meet you too. I did. I wrote, okay, it was nice to meet you too. You know, congratulations on a good show. Blah blah blah.
0: Now. You believe that it's not just you. You think it's uh, that other people feel this way.
1: I think that it's. I think other people might be frustrated. The, I don't. I'm just saying, like, if you're saying you're gonna call, like, just call. Don't don't send me like a crap text message the next day. <laughs> I <laughs> would mean, rather I would have rather not heard from him at all than had to deal with the with this nondescript text message that I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? So
0: so I wrote down. Now, if you don't mind, this is my dime store psychology. So okay. now I do have a theory as to why you don't like getting... Because now, do you dislike text messages from, like, female friends? No. Okay. So now, let me ask you this. My... I should ask first and foremost, do you care if I give my stupid uh, pop culture, like, on the couch a- answer as to why you don't like text messages from guys?
1: Oh, God. Okay.
0: Do you dislike text messages from guys because you have no control over the conversation?
1: I don't like conversations that don't aren't going anywhere. I don't know. Like, like, what am I supposed to do with this? So I meet this person, have a good conversation. This is what the text message says. Thanks for coming to the show last night, and it was great meeting you. That's what it says. I'm like...
0: That's is it because it puts it on you to, like, figure out what direction the conversation exactly is going in next? Exactly, because
1: if I write back, it's like, well, I can't end it with a question because then it seems like I want to continue. The, you want to know what's going on in my head. No, no, no.
0: I'm, I'm curious. This is interesting.
1: Like, I, can, I, you know, I can't write back because then you're like, oh, okay, I don't want to seem like a weirdo ending it with a question, especially since he didn't end his with a question. What if
0: he had texted you? God, I'm glad I'm not single. What if he had texted you with a question? In this, other words... That it, would
1: have, I would have been totally happy with that. But just this, like, that ends in a period that, you know, nothing, no questions, just like, how was the rest of your night? Nothing like that. Just like this blurted out statement via text message and then... So it's it.
0: that he sent you a statement via text yes. that is difficult to respond to. You don't know quite what the response would it's be.
1: Because I don't really understand what he's trying to accomplish with it. The it's interesting like, thing is just...
0: maybe he thought he was just being polite, though. Maybe he thought, maybe he didn't know what to say to you, and so he thought, well, I'll be nondescript because I don't want to look pushy or I don't want to look whatever. So maybe he was trying to be polite by not, uh, you know, not trying to act more forward than, than he thought was appropriate. Hmm. Maybe.
1: I don't know. But I wrote, yeah, so I I didn't see the message for a while, and so I wrote him back just like, it was nice meeting you too. <laughs> At, <laughs> the end. <laughs>
0: uh Hi, Hi, you're on the Rick Everson Show. Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, What's I'm... up?
10: I mean charlie and uh, i agree with sarah i hate text messages first of all because i always miss them because it only like vibrates once and so i like constantly miss them but second of all because what should be a 30 minute or 30 second conversation on the phone ends up being like a 30 minute process that would have taken such a short time to just get across and clarify and figure out what you were saying and instead you gotta poke in all the Buttons I know it goes also. like my dad. On and
0: on. You got jab at all of these <laughs> all little them, keys. My fat fingers don't want to hit the question mark. Well, here's the I will say this. Here's an interesting thing about text messaging is that here's an awkward thing when you text message and you're not quite sure when the conversation is over
1: that's it and like i didn't know if i was if i was responding to a conversation or to a statement i'm like should i ask a question and i just i opted not to and ask it's like question. are you do you have
0: to respond back to everything i'm like who ends it? that's
1: exactly and uh, do you
0: finally just say like end over it's a conversation done 30 you know or whatever and just
1: this is what i did with the other text message guys so finally he kept writing these uh, these asinine questions like just statements and finally so like, how
0: are you today i'm
1: like all right if you want to meet up later or something dude that's cool i'm like give me a call and you know what he wrote back he wrote I will I will get in contact with you. And you know what he did later that night? He text message. Me. <laughs> so you're all The great thing about it is just your white texted, hot he anger. Like, he was like, hi. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what am I <laughs> supposed to do with
0: this? That is well, okay. Now, do you think it's this? Do you suppose that that is an outgrowth of instant messaging?
1: I think I think I think men are just lazy now, and it's like, well, you don't have to have the stress of like, will she answer? You know, should I call her? But instead, it's like the you're not, like, the creepy guy. Like, you can just send her a text message, which is fine, but I would rather, like, know somebody, you know, vocally on the phone first before, like, text messages. I
0: think a lot of guys, I mean, I, I know I'm this it's way. It's a
1: cop-out. It's a total cop-out. See, but I
0: think, well, you call it a cop-out, but I think a lot of guys dislike talking on the phone.
1: Sarah Wagner just wrote that. That's a stupid text. It would have pissed me off, too.
0: That's <laughs> a stupid, it's dumb. All right, thank you, sir.
7: And, all right, <laughs> hi.
0: Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
7: How's it going, Rick? What's up? And that's an old trick she's falling for.
0: What is, the, what is the old trick, sir?
7: If you have three or four girls that you're kind of hanging out with or kind of seeing on the side, you send the exact same thing to all of them. Like, it's been an awesome weekend, like, weather-wise or whatever. And then whoever replies, that means they're not hanging out with anybody right now. And you can give them a call and see what they're doing later.
0: And is this so you don't get the girls confused? You send them cool. all the same greeting.
7: <laughs> that's why it's generic and there's nothing. that was like, I had a great time meeting you last night. He probably met three or four girls.
4: Last night was cool. Numbers, get in touch.
7: Yeah, and then when they call or they send an email or a text back or whatever, that means chances are they're down and they want to hang out. So that's
1: awesome.
0: So you so you believe that this is he's just a uh, he's chumming the water as they say. He's just throwing throwing a lot of hooks out there, seeing seeing who gets back with him.
7: Five or six girls probably got that exact same text, and then this is the way like if she's going with I loved you. Hi then, you know, that was great. I had a great time with you, too. Then he knows, hey, I can call this girl and she'll be willing to hang do you out.
0: Su- do you suppose, and, we're not, and this guy, but he guys in general, awesome. do you suppose he has, uh, like, standard opening raps, though, like, all, like via text message?
7: Absolutely. Everybody. I mean, I never meet three or four girls in one night. One would be nice, but <laughs> guys who do, <laughs> I have a lot of friends who do, and they do the same thing. I mean, it's awesome. cheesy, but... Well, don't it don't work. Work. No, it mean, worked
1: really well. That well, totally
7: makes sense.
0: Well, it's like, what's-his-name says in, uh in well, there's the two guys in singles. There's a the guy who's like, I'm going to put 50 phone numbers in this watch, but there's the, when when Campbell Scott says, like, 50 Fif- numbers. and, when, and 50 and then,
1: numbers for girls who will never call.
0: And then later when Campbell Scott says, 50 resumes, give me back something. So that's that's totally it is, where you're hitting up, it's like a numbers game. Uh, our friend Trey used to have this great statement about, he talked he was talking about girls being like when you're in sales, where you make cold calls, and he used to say, like, you know, you talk to ten girls, or, you know, what, what is it, if you're at a club or a bar or something, his whole thing was, ask ten girls to dance, three will say yes, one will F you. That was like his, he had it down to a science. Ask and ten girls, exactly three say yes, one doing. goes home with you. All right, fair enough, excellent. Thank you, sir. Bye. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. These are all guys responding, which is a thing. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show.
2: I think we need to bring back over and out for text messaging
0: because because it is a weird that would be great. it is and did you ever do this you send like even if it's just something innocuous like i don't know where are we where are we meeting tomorrow for the movie i don't know let's go to the whatever well are you do you guys want to get do you guys want to get dinner beforehand sure let's do that where at i don't know let's go to you know let, let's all go to the olive garden or whatever let's and
2: go to the sizzler down the street
0: exactly exactly and then at the end you're sort of like well when when is this conversation done? And is it rude? And here's the other thing: generally, you, know, so you don't say goodbye on text mm-hmm. messages. I think if you're on the phone, and I think, like on, uh, like on, a, on a, uh, like online, like on an instant message thing, I think you would like, okay, and goodbye. Talk to you l- later. But I don't think you do that with text messages. They just sort of, they just sort of end on this weird, dangling, suspenseful note all the time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got. All right, thank you. Go. These calls are all like that, too, where there's no real end to them. They just sort of drift off into nothing. Hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show.
2: Hey, Rick, this is Chuck. What's up? Hey, I think uh, it, it shows if, if the guy has no relationship with Sarah to begin with and he starts texting, that shows a, a little familiarity there that's kind of creepy.
1: That's totally... Thing, yeah.
2: But because, I mean, you text your friends. You don't start texting somebody that you just met. Is that true? The only thing would be to make a phone call... If it goes goes to voicemail, that's out of your control. That's Sarah's decision to pick it up as voice or then if not, leave a voicemail.
0: So do you think, Sarah, that texting is more I don't want to say intimate, but more
1: but I know what you mean, yeah, it is more intimate. I totally but I think you need to like vocally establish yourself before like you're sending me a text message. Like this is just some random Mm -hmm. guy writing me.
2: Exactly, and and uh, kind of abusing the fact that you've got your cell phone number right off the
0: bat. Totally. We've become but, a really weird society where things, I'm, well, and I'm not saying you shouldn't be irritated by this, because, uh, you know, it's your, your life and your feelings, so therefore they're not wrong. I mean, your feelings are whatever they are. I'm saying it is strange. The things, though... In the 21st century, that we, that that, that sort of, because we're living in a sort of transitional time where like text messaging didn't exist 10 years ago. So it's odd how these manners. Yeah, these rules of, that's exactly it, that these rules of personal etiquette are evolving as we speak. Like we're, we're see.
2: I mean, uh, the answering machine 20 years ago. Changed how we call
0: people. Oh man, do you remember? I remember a time. I remember a time when the answering machine was considered really rude if you were home. It was considered like the height of rudeness. Because
2: you didn't have a business.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: Now, I think what Sarah should have done is should have texted him back, uh, no problem, thanks for the text. And as text messages are atonal, he wouldn't have known really. You know, leave it ambiguous, open ended. But he doesn't know if she's like. Thanks for the text.
0: Or maybe or just like, how about next time give me a call? Yeah, Look, pick up the phone.
2: Yeah. How about how about we talk? Uh, you know, well, it's not really Facebook. Let, let's use uh, a vocal message.
0: Yeah. All right. Interesting. Thank you,
4: sir. All right. All right there you go.
0: No, it's he. That guy's a really good point. Which is a lot of rules of etiquette have been around forever, and so like we don't, you know, they were just always there. Like you, uh, you know, you hold the door for somebody, and you start with the outside fork, and whatever. Uh, but these are rules of etiquette that are etiquette that are just now taking shape. Like they're just now being formed. We did it ten years ago. We didn't have to worry about that. Uh let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello,
2: Eric. Hey. Yeah, text messaging. It's a safe way for the guy to judge to gauge the girl's uh, mood and intentions and whether they want to hear from him again. There's, there's nothing worse than having to call some girl that you just met and getting the stone cold, you know, cold silence that you get a lot of the time.
0: That's the so, thing. And, I would, mean, and the horrible attitude. I, I mean, it's
2: just, it's just, hey, you know, how are you doing? And then you gauge what you do next. I would next also session.
0: say this. You know, one of the things one of the things that Tom Laika says that really is true is that uh, if you are out on a date with a girl or you're talking to a girl, you do, in some ways, have to be really careful what you say because one stray word, one stray, you know, I killed a cat one time, you know, what is the wrong thing out of your mouth, and you're going to F well, just, yourself. And so with a text message, it is kind of – with a text message, is good because it strips away any sort of uh, vibe that you might otherwise convey. It strips it down to just the message.
2: Well, just look at Sarah's response to it. I mean, she's a great girl, but uh... –
0: but now, man, great girl, man it, Sarah, but... No,
2: no, no, I'm, no, I'm saying, I mean, you'd have to have a Rubik's cube to figure out what the hell's going on with her. <laughs> and, no, I'm serious. And so it's a safe way of just checking back the second time because you don't want to get rejected. You're great. It Apart from the like, crazy, <laughs> it, it sounds like Sarah's main function in life is is rejecting guys
5: <laughs>
2: so, <laughs> j- j- just for sport <laughs> so, so it's just a safe way and then you go to the phone call relationship and then you go back to text text messaging because you know you know each other a little more and you know so you're saying
0: here let me ask you so you're saying basically text messaging is a way to feed the lion without getting your hand close enough to the mouth yeah. that you'll lose it
2: if All right. you get a positive response from your text message then the phone call comes next but it's just hey how's it going on great meet ya. if you get up you know something back saying i hope you die a horrible death well then you know that you're not going to call back but if it's positive
0: it's cool and you call right. excellent thank you sir all right there you go there's that guy this okay. is very
1: educational
0: especially because it's a little bit of a rorschach too for how people see you sarah I know. um the idea that you're home what men shall i crush today the uh, – I will say this. Okay, here's uh, – we'll do a couple more and then we got a break. We have some other calls about other stuff. And then I do want to do this top five because I was sort of agonizing about whether the top five is good. But I feel good. I feel strong about it. Okay. I will say this. Okay, here's what it is. As a guy – and I will tell you this. As a guy, it's not like I do a lot of text messaging, but I do, like, uh, email and whatever. And I do – I do prefer that to phone calls Because here's the thing about uh, How you say with, with the text You're never sure when the conversation is done mm-hmm. I'm always that way with phone calls too I'm always just like okay wh- When can I hang up When when can I be done with this Because I'm terrible on the phone uh, Which is ironic Because I know I make a living talking to people on the phone whatever. But, uh, but personal one to one calls I'm just awful with them um, So here's the thing about text messaging My perspective as a guy You know what it is It is again as you and I always do I can use singles for this Like in the movie Singles, that guy is his friend's name Blake. Who is it? What is his friend's name? I don't know.
1: It's funny because he's supposed to have a bigger part too. Have you ever seen the um... the
0: French restaurant scene? Yeah, I love that scene.
1: Because he's not really an established character. I think I cannot remember. Blaine
0: Blake, whatever. Okay. I wish they would put out a DVD of that with the French, uh, the French restaurant scene put back in. I do love that scene. It's really arty and precious, but I do love it. Um, Do we play the game, or does the game play us? Uh, So here's the thing. It's for those who haven't haven't seen it, it's um, it's when Campbell Scott and his friend are going out to a club to, to meet some ladies. And his friend says, tonight I'm going to be the super me. And what you know what super I just you... realized? What? That guy is on the wire. His friend, I'm going to be the super me, is on the wire. Oh my, OMG. What if the super you meets the super her and
1: she rejects the super you?
0: Then it doesn't matter because it was never me to begin with. Here's the thing. The text message is the super him. Because if you reject him on the phone, or not reject, you know what I mean. If he, in other words, if he's flirting you with are you, right. if he's on the phone with you, and I won't say you reject him, but if he's sort of like, so, you want to get a drink, and you're like, you know, I'm kind of seeing somebody, or I'm not looking to meet anybody right now, or whatever. If you if you basically say no, however nicely, then it's sort of like, oh, my balls, right there. But, sorry, Tim just walked in <laughs> as I said that. Tim, Tim just walked into the studio as I was... Saying, oh, my balls. Well, I knew they moved the chairs around. But that thought you you got one
5: of, the, one of the bad ones over there.
0: <laughs> Where's the padding on this chair? Um, so if you even passively, I hate to say reject, but you know what I mean. If you sort of say, nah, on the phone while he's speaking to you, to a guy that can feel a little emasculating, it can be a little bit, oh, I've been rejected by a woman, life is over. But if you just sort of reject him or don't respond to his text messages, there's a lot less emotional involvement in a text message for a guy. Because a mm-hmm. text message is very sort of impersonal. Hey, let's get together sometime. Text, send. Because there's no face-to-face contact. It is it is a one-way conversation. He has nothing emotionally invested well, in that. It well,
1: was, it was polite. I mean, I appreciate the text message because, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, I'll get in touch with you tomorrow. And, you know, he, had, he followed through.
0: Yeah. But it's less emotional investment for a guy. Talking to a girl on the phone is nerve-wracking. Text messaging a girl, I think, is less so. So if you reject or if he feels, let's put it that way, if he feels rejected via text message, it's much less uh whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's much, it's much less uh, involved for him. So it doesn't feel as bad. Mm-hmm. Whereas if he felt rejected on the phone, that's the sort of thing guys ruminate on for like two months. Let's take one final call because it's from a woman. And I think these have all been guys so far. Uh, far. Let's uh, talk to, hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
12: Hey, Rick. This is Marianne. Hey, what's up? Hey, the thing about this is the guy made a presumption that first of all, Sarah uses text messaging, and second of all, that it wasn't costing her any money. I mean, I know it's only like a quarter to use a text message, and I use it all the time, but not to people I don't know because I don't know if they use them. And it's kind of rude to just up and text her without knowing if she even was someone that uses texting.
1: That's very true. I guess.
0: I guess you know. I guess there is sort of a financial aspect to it, maybe. So. all right. I mean,
12: it's just a minor thing, but, you know, I know lots of people that have cell phones that, like, are clueless about text messaging and really aren't interested at all in using it.
0: So. All right. Excellent. Thank you. You know, it's funny. Bridget from upstairs actually weighed in uh, via email, uh, the appropriate amount. She didn't she, she call about it. She says that she hates talking on the phone, and so she texts. So she doesn't see it. But, Tim... but
1: this is with people that she probably already has an established relationship She with. says,
0: my friends hate it, and I don't care. Uh, <laughs> Tim is nodding his head. So, about you, because uh, Tim and I, can. I will say this. I uh I can count on less than one hand the phone calls I have had with Tim in the last year. And or I think
4: it's or 6 or 7 years. Or
0: 6 or 7 years. I mean really uh, honestly truly uh, Tim and I have spoken on the phone probably fewer than 10 times in the entire however many years we've worked together. I and hate I, the
1: phone. And it's usually... I've never spoken to Tim on
0: the phone. Uh, no. no and, the, and I think most of those times, frankly, have been if you're going to be sick yeah. or something. Like if Tim is going to be uh, ill or not going to make it into work, he's like, I remember Tim going, uh, I don't have any voice, I won't be in. And that's usually he wanted to make sure that I knew yeah. about it. Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of Tim and I's communications, as long as we've worked together, have been via email.
4: I like the email.
0: That, so do I. Mm-hmm. I like, but Tim and I like it because it is a way to just stay in our tiny little hermetically sealed egg. Pulse. Yeah, it's exactly. So you don't waste anyone's time. They know exactly what you want. I like it also because it's neutral. Uh, and so I feel like there's less chance of me inadvertently offending or saying something dumb.
1: See, and I offend people, I think, because people will write me text messages, and I just, I'm just too damn lazy to answer them. You
0: don't answer, I used to, I used to, can I just tell you this, since we're, since we're all on the, since we're all on the shrink's couch today, uh, I, let me just run just a tiny bit late here, um, since we're all on the couch, can I tell you, when you and I first worked together, I used to get really offended that you didn't answer my emails.
1: No, and people, yeah. Well, I I, I, used
0: heard... to, I used to kind of carry a little grudge about it. Oh. But that was, I mean, no, years that's ago. that's how people
1: are with text messages with me yeah. now. Like, they take it like a personal slight. Like, I'll read something that somebody writes to me, and I'll be like, oh, haha. And I'll just look it and mentally log it and of it aside, and I'll never write back. And then, yeah, and there's animosity it Totally. Like, how come you never wrote, responded I, to my text I mean, I've got,
0: I mean, I got over that a long, long it was when We very first knew each other. I remember uh, you and I had some disagreement one time, and it a long time ago. I mean, way back at the Fisher days. And we had some, and so I wrote some email about, hey, sorry about whatever on the air today. And it's like when we first started working together, and I think I'd said something that rubbed you the wrong way, or that I pissed you off somehow. I thought I had, and so I sent some email like, hey, sorry about the whatever I'm on the show today, blah blah blah. Since you I know,
1: never wrote And back then back. you
0: and I, and I felt like I was kind of putting it out there, like I'm like a. Are hey. you sure I
1: got it? Well,
0: how, why would you not have gotten it? I don't know.
1: That was back. Maybe there.
0: it ended up in my spam folder.
1: It's live. Live. Stranger things have happened. So I
0: totally put it out there, like, "Hey, sorry, yeah, Sarah, sorry, the thing happened today, and whatever." And then, like, you never responded. Like, God damn it! And like, I was all pissed off that you never responded. So I get
1: that a lot. Like, I will. Um, sometimes I just, sometimes I'm just flighty, and I, I like forget to return a phone. call. You know what? Or,
0: I am the king of not answering emails. I, I tell you, I you
1: never answer your phone. Never. No, well, that's not
0: true. I answer my phone sometimes, but not. I
1: think like one out of every fifteen. Times a lot of times I don't. A yeah.
0: lot of times I don't answer my phone. I'm terrible at email though, so. Uh, all right, we have to break. Come back. Tim Riley, have ye news? Yes. Fantastic. We'll do news. Uh, and then let's see. Uh, top five Shel Silverstein poems of all time. Uh, like us at three, Donna Mike at seven. Say, there's the Rick Emerson show. <laughs> Program 503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry
8: of Truth, this is Tim Riley.
4: Not guilty, says Trey Arrow. Trey Arrow, also known as Michael Scarpitti, When not guilty in your district court in Portland this afternoon, after being extradited from a Canadian jail, he failed in his intent to seek asylum in that country. And this is all relating to the firebombing of logging and cement in 2001. Uh, this happened at Ross Island said in Gravel. He bowed to his family and friends but did not speak to anyone. His attorney requested that Trey Arrows to in the county and that his client needed a raw vegan diet to satisfy his religious and spiritual beliefs. If found guilty, he'll be sentenced to eat meat and use <laughs> indoor plumbing. Fantastic. He's best known for spending 11 days on a 9-inch ledge at the U.S. Forest Service building 30 feet above the ground in the summer of 2000.
0: You know, I knew, uh, I knew that Ralph Nader was never going to win anything, by the way, when I went to see him in 2000 at Memorial Coliseum, and Trey Arrow was one of the speakers. That's oh, when that you what...
4: knew Ralph Nader was doomed. So uh, he got busted in Canada for shoplifting and uh, tried to stay there, but they kicked him out. The Fed say it was involved in an arson attack that blew up three trucks at Ross Island Travel Company and an attack on seven vehicles at a Mount Hood Lumber Company. So there.
0: Uh, time for a snuff watch. Here's your snuff watch. Redux uh, for Monday on the Rick Emerson Show.
4: You're saying it looks like Chris Scott? Is that the guy? I think so. Is that you're talking about? The board office in there. Tall guy, long straight hair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Blind rock and jazz musician, uh, Jeff Healy has died after a lifelong battle against cancer. He was 41. The weird thing is, he's 41. No joke, he's had cancer since he was one. Oh, jeez. He's had cancer for all but one year of his life. Uh, Let's see. uh, Yes. He was... uh, (laughs) I'm reading this to go The Grammy-nominated Healy wrote to stardom as the leader of the Jeff Healy Band, a rock-oriented trio that gained international acclaim and platinum record sales with the 1988 album See the Light. His album included his hit single Angel Eyes. He had catsu since age one. Uh, due to his that's blindness, key. he taught himself to play the guitar and lay the instrument across his lap.
0: Yeah, that's weird. He played it kind of like a dobro. He played it sort of like a slide guitar he laid it down on his lap. Cancer is such an age one. That is like the definition of being born yeah. into the suck. I mean, really.
4: He loved jazz and loved hosting radio shows in Canada. His death comes weeks after the uh, before the release of his first rock album in eight years. Mess of Blues is slated for North American release on April 22nd. He's survived by his wife, Christy. And has two children. Also, he was in the movie Roadhouse. And he was in the Roadhouse. <laughs> Done.
0: <laughs> and there you go. There's your snuff watch from Monday on The Rick Emerson Show. All my friends.
4: All my friends. Fantastic. Oh, are we doing this thing? Now, do we have time for the top five, Sarah? Yeah. Okay. All right, let's do it then. Let's do this.
0: Five, four, three. <laughs> are we doing this two, thing? Why? As though you've fire. never held a top five in your hand. What is this strange Earth text? <clears throat>
2: Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting
4: is happiness, counting is ecstasy, I love to count. All right, so we'll see how this works.
0: This is sort of a different one. going to read that? What's that? Oh, is somebody going to read these housing I'm going to read poetry, Tim. Oh, (laughs) that
1: sounds great. I saw someone at the park yesterday, a couple, and the guy was reading the girl poetry.
0: Now Sam, are you not feeling we should are you not feeling it? I am. You're skeptical. No, I'm not. You don't think it's gonna work. I know it's gonna work. It's Shell Silverstein. Everybody loves Shell Silverstein.
1: Sarah? I do, Rick.
0: Everyone loves Shel Silverstein. I'm really
1: looking forward to hearing you recite poetry in real time. Okay. Are you mocking me? I'm just kidding. I know you've worked hard on this book. Yeah, go. I didn't work that hard. Well, I just want to hear the Dexter thing.
4: All right, let's all right. get this. Out. Here's <laughs> your <laughs> poetry reading on Number top five. Down. And as we continue to search, <laughs> the search the nooks and crannies of our imagination for the art of every stripe, sort, manner, and type, we arrive at the top five Shel Silverstein poems <laughs> of all time. Number yes. five is True Story. All right, these are the. Uh... Here we go.
0: These are the top five Shel Silverstein poems of all time.
1: Prove him wrong, Rick.
0: Well, that was going to be all this pressure. All right.
1: We oh, already read. Oh, music.
0: It's proper. How perfect is this? Uh, is this though for Shel Silverstein? All right. These are the top five Shel Silverstein poems of all time. What is this one? True story. True story. I have to do the as Shel Silverstein, of course. Rick Emerson is. Rick Emerson is Joe Don Baker is Shel Silverstein. This morning I jumped on my horse and went out for a ride. And then wild outlaws chased me and shot me in the side. I crawled into a wildcat's cave to find a place to hide. But pirates pirates found me sleeping there, and soon they had me tied to a pole and built a fire under me. God, he's warped. I almost cried. Then I ran to a jungle swamp and forgot my guide, and I stepped into some quicksand. No matter how I tried, I couldn't get out till I met a water snake named Clyde. And an eagle came and swooped me up, and through the air we flied. He dropped me in a boiling lake, a thousand miles wide. You'll never guess what I did then. I died.
1: <laughs> Number four.
0: <laughs> Are you not feeling this? I am.
1: It made me laugh.
4: <laughs> they're all I'm They're happy. amusing. All right. Number four: the crocodile's toothbrush.: I loved, I loved
0: this one when I was a kid. This is uh, the crocodile's toothbrush. A toothache. The crocodile went to the dentist and sat down in the chair. And the dentist said, now tell me, sir, why does it hurt and where? And the crocodile said, I'll tell you the truth, I have a terrible ache in my tooth. And he opened his jaws so wide, so wide, the dentist climbed right inside. And the dentist laughed, isn't this fun, as he pulled out the teeth one by one. And the crocodile cried, you're hurting me so, put down your pliers and let me go. The dentist just laughed with a ho, 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 and said, I still have twelve to go. That's the wrong one, I confess, but what's one crocodile's tooth, more or less? Then suddenly the jaws went snap, and the dentist was gone, right off the map. To where he went, we could only guess, north or south, east or west. He left no forwarding address. But what's one dentist, more or less? Number three. That's creepy. Uh, they're all creepy. Cell Service is great and creepy. This next one is actually not funny. It's sort of haunting. It's um about the Pied Piper of Hamlin, uh, Hamlin told from the perspective of one of the tri- uh, children of the town.
4: The one who stayed.
0: You should have heard the old men cry. You should have heard the biddies. When that sad stranger raised his flute and piped away the kiddies. Katie, Tommy, Meg, and Bob followed, skipping gaily. Red-haired Bruce a roof, my brother Rob, and little crippled Bailey, John and Nils and cousin Claire, dancin', spinning and turnin, crossed the hills to God knows where they never came returnin'. Cross the hills to God knows where the piper pranced a leadin' each child in Hamlin Town but me, and I stayed home unheedin'. My papa says that I was blessed, for if that music found me, I'd be witchcast like the rest. This town grows old around me I cannot say I did not hear That sound so haunting, hollow I heard, I heard, I heard it clear But I was afraid to follow
4: (laughs) You're listening to the all-new AM 970 All Poetry Radio (laughs) The top five Shel Silverstein poems of all time Number two, dreadful
0: Someone ate the baby Oh,
1: it's a good one
0: It's rather sad to say Someone ate the baby, so she won't be out to play. We'll never hear her whiny cry, or have to feel if she is dry. We'll never hear her asking why. Someone ate the baby. Someone ate the baby, it is absolutely clear. Someone ate the baby, because the baby isn't here. We'll give away her toys and clothes. We'll never have to wipe her nose. Dad says... Well, that's the way it goes. Someone ate the baby. Someone ate the baby. What a frightful thing to eat. Someone ate the baby, though she wasn't very sweet. It was a heartless thing to do. The policemen haven't got a clue. I simply cannot imagine who would go and eat the baby. You knew you were going to do that perfect. Yeah. These are the top five Shel Silverstein poems of all time. Sarah, guess at number one. Oh, I, have, I don't
4: know. That's the only one that I know.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen.
4: Number one is Sarah Cynthia Sylvia Stout would not take the garbage out. Sarah
0: Cynthia Sylvia Stout would not take the garbage out. She'd scour the pots and scrape the pans and candy the yams and spice the hams, and though her father would scream and shout, she simply would not take the garbage out. And so it piled up to the ceiling. Coffee grounds, potato peelings, brown bananas, rotten peas, chunks of sour cottage cheese. It filled the can. It covered the floor. It cracked the window and blocked the door. Bacon rinds and chicken bones and drippy of ice cream cones. Prune pits, peach pits, orange peel, gloppy glumps of cold oatmeal. Pizza crusts and withered greens. Soggy beans and tangerines. Crusts of blackberries. Burned buttered toast, gristly bits of beefy roast. The garbage rolled on down the hall. It raised the roof. It broke the wall. Greasy napkins, cookie crumbs, globs of gooey bubble gum cellophane from green bologna, rubbery blubbery macaroni, peanut butter caked and dry, curdled milk and crusts of pie, moldy melons, dried up mustard, eggshells mixed with lemon custard, cold french fries and rancid meat, yellow lumps of cream of wheat, at last the garbage reached so high... It finally touched the sky, and all the neighbors moved away, and none of her friends would come to play. And finally, Sarah Cynthia Stout said, "Okay, I'll take the garbage out. But then, of course, it was too late. The garbage reached across the state, from New York to the Golden Gate, and there in the garbage she did hate. Poor Sarah met an awful fate that I cannot now relate, because the hour is much too late. But children remember Sarah Stout And always take the garbage out Why, hello, we now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day The final segment of the Rick Emerson Show Like us at 3, Donna Mike at 7 uh, all right, well, we've got uh, some calls here, so we'll just do this. We'll finish it out with Dean. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
11: Hello. Hi. Hi. I was calling to see if anybody else saw what I did this morning. I'd like to find that out. I was driving to work at 8 this morning and saw the car in front of me. The woman was pointing frantically. There was an American bald eagle that came swooping down, and it was being attacked by a murder of crows.
0: Are you screwing with us?
11: Oh, dead serious because
0: I like the I like first of all, you get bonus points for saying swoop and then murder of crows is fantastic, that doesn't that? Murder of crows sounds very, very uh, poetic in its own self that does seem like uh, it has to be you know that seems like it's uh, one of those phrases that only pops up in literature
12: right well i do I do read
0: books and that sounds like a, a murder of crows <laughs> um so where was this
4: that this happened?
11: I was on the four o five heading towards the twenty sixth it was right about where Burnside goes over and the eagle was heading east towards downtown so he was losing altitude very quickly now how could you spot
0: that it was an american bald eagle
11: oh you couldn't miss it it was like he'd flown off of a dollar bill it was iconic
0: and then he was attacked by a murder of crows now did how, how much of the attack did you see
11: well probably like six or seven dive bombs they just kept swooping down and pecking at him
0: was he injured in some way
11: not that I could see, but I assume so. I mean that's usually what crows do is they attack a sick or dying animal. They just don't right? they
0: just didn't care for him somehow. Uh I don't know. We'll we'll put it out there if they say and see if anybody else saw it. Yeah, I'd love to hear. That's Thanks. a weird thing you don't plan on seeing. Thank you so much. There you go. Yeah, you don't plan on seeing that every day. Uh hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey everybody. What's up? Uh
2: you know that uh, Shel Silverstein poem reminds me of uh those kids that got maced or whatever at the Chuck E. Cheese, and that woman was oh, saying, someone sprayed a s- baby.
0: <laughs> someone sprayed the baby.
2: <laughs> exactly. All right, excellent. Well, I was uh, actually calling about uh, Sarah, and uh, you could hear the frustration, like the anger in her voice. Uh, <laughs> about the over texting? The, uh, over, the, over the texting thing, and I wanted to just offer my two cents and tell you why, is that there's... You know, there's two parts to any communication. There's the message, and then there's the context. The subtext, and I mean, yeah. Yeah, and women rely a lot more on body language. That
0: uh, is true. Women way. rely a lot on tone and vibe and the subtext, and that strips away. <gasps> That's a really good point. Oh, so the secondary means of information is denied to you.
2: Yeah, so you're like, and I even heard you say, what does this mean? Because you That's didn't good, have anything b- to rely because on. Because
0: you, you are now forced to solely rely on what he says to you, not how he says it. There you go. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Excellent. That's true, yeah, because you want to be able to read a person. You really can't listen to text messages. You've been denied subtext. That is interesting. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show.
2: Hello, Rick, Sarah, and if Tim's still around, Jeff Klein. Hey,
0: Jeff Klein. How are Hi, you? Jeff
2: Klein. Good. I was just calling to say, first of all, best top five ever. I loved
0: it. Thank you. It was okay. I Tim was skeptical. I could tell he didn't think it would that work. It was great. So right, I powered through it. Thank you, sir.
7: And I just wanted to start your birthday out, week out oh. correctly by wishing oh. you a happy birthday. Thanks.
0: Thanks so much.
7: Yes, I know you love it. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. What's Laura Laura not going to do for you?
0: Uh, She asked me, she's like, so who do you want to go out to dinner with us on Friday? And I said, "Uh, no one. And She said, okay, now you have the following 10 people we can choose from. I'm thinking maybe five or six. And I said, no, I, I want it to be no one. I want it to be you and I. And then she said, "Well, okay, what kind of present do you want?" And I said, "You know, you don't have to get me anything. I, uh, I'm not really, you know, don't have to worry about it." She's like, "No, no, no, I'm going to get you something. So just decide what it is." So all of my birthday wishes have already been sort of thwarted. I've asked to spend time with no one and not to receive anything, and I've already been told that those two things won't happen. So
4: best week ever. Exactly. We'll enjoy
1: it. Thank you, my friend. Take care. All right. Yeah, the big day's on Friday, right?
0: Yeah, let's keep let's mention that as often as possible. Mm-hmm. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, what's up, Rick? What's up? Hey.
1: Shel
2: Silverstein poem, I think it's called The Great Roll-Off. Maybe. Do you, do you know about this one? I don't. It's it's like a hidden Shell Silverstein. I don't know that it was ever published in a book, but it's about a joint roll-off.
0: Interesting. He wrote a lot of... Um what we might call uh, sort of adult-themed poetry he, because he wrote a lot about... He, did, he wrote some adult stuff, too, about drugs, and he had a song called Freaker's Ball, which actually Dr. Hook and The Medicine Show recorded as a song, which was all about an S&M convention. So he was deeply warped. No getting around oh, that.
2: Okay, yeah, I just wanted to make sure yeah. you uh, you got turned on to that.
0: No, so to speak. No, that was him. He did write a lot. He also wrote on the cover of The Rolling Stone, made famous by Dr. Hook. Yeah. All right, thank you. There you go. He wrote that? On the cover of the Rolling Stone, that's oh, no. Shel Silverstein. Oh,
1: I know, exactly. He that.
0: wrote that, and, again, yeah, they, they followed it up with a song called Freaker's Ball, which is all about a bondage S&M convention, and he wrote that, too. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. What's up?
2: I uh, Just calling to say thank you for that uh, Shell Silverstein thing. This oh. was great. Thank you, sir. My birthday is tomorrow as well. Happy oh, birthday in
0: advance, my friend.
2: Yeah, well, I'll be getting all kinds of stuff that I don't want either, so well, get used to it.
0: Well, all right, thank you. Right, uh, Rick, I just got off the phone and turned back into the show. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but you're reading poetry on the air. Thought I'd give you a heads up. All right, thank you. Thanks so much. All right. Uh, it was really just an excuse to read Someone Ate the Baby. Um, no,
1: and you just really wanted to hear the Dexter theme.
0: And Well, but how perfect is that, though? How I couldn't figure out. I, didn't I think want,
1: we should play that underneath everything that we do ever.
0: I, I didn't want to read them cold, uh, but, I, uh, but I didn't want to play, like, calliope music or children's music. And I was like, well, what? And I've been listening to this nonstop all weekend. I was telling you this during the break that I put this on my MP3 player and I went bicycling. Especially, you can do it.
1: I can see it. Like I, I could just if I just join it. It would be.
0: I will tell you, listening to the Dexter score, because uh, the soundtrack is two things. It's a lot of it's got Cuban music, which is not really my style, and then half of it is the score, like this. Listening to the Dexter score while bicycling around makes everything creepy. Everything you do, everywhere you go, has a hidden meaning. Everyone has a secret life. Everything you look at is weird. So, anyway. All right. uh, Are we uh, ending now? Fantastic. There we go. I have no end of show theme, by the way. Or uh, soundbite. I have nothing. Oh. All right, uh, join us tomorrow when our guests will include include uh, Chris Needham from On The Vig and Lisa De, Desjardins uh, from The Hill. Uh, Rick Emerson's show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Derek Dillon for AM 970's Solid State Radio. In the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones. Richie Bristol, Dave's in as the gatekeeper. Bridget from upstairs is the web mistress. And, of course, uh, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Reynolds. Uh, like us next, Donna Mike at 7. Rick Emerson, recap tomorrow at 10. We'll be here at 11. As always, thank you for listening. Don't let the bastards grind it down. Be safe. See you all tomorrow. Bye.